0: Is this thing on?
1: Are you ready, Matt?
0: You're listening to Box Office Vinjuice with Matt Diaz and Ernesto Santos.
1: Good evening, folks.
0: We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you.
1: We know each other. He's a friend from work. Mind doing? You can accomplish anything. Matt, we are racing into this week's episode. Sorry, I was gonna—I was like gonna think of a sound to try to find, and I was like, nah. I was like, no, nah, I'm just gonna say something witty, and then I just went with something dumb. So. <laughs> it made me laugh i wasn't expecting it (laughs) like hey bat we're speeding into this week's episode why don't you tell the folks what we're reviewing how's that was that better i like that one too (laughs) i feel like we should have like a game show like hello and welcome to box
0: office (laughs) bingers (laughs) bingers (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, yeah, to answer your question. We are reviewing Gran Turismo, uh, the um, the Sony film that's also brought to you by PlayStation Studios. The se- I believe it's the second film out of PlayStation Studios, the first one being uh, Uncharted. I don't know if they've done any more than those two films, uh, but we also do know that they are – no, they did uh, The Last of Us. Duh. Uh, so, yeah, so they're, Here, okay. they're moving I right do- along. Um,
1: according to their Wikipedia – Uh, Okay. Their list of productions: the first one, yeah, you're right, was Uncharted, and the second one was Gran Turismo. And upcoming, they have Days Gone, which is a game I've never heard of or played before. Um, In Ghost of Tsushima, which I've played that game. That game is awesome. So Mm -hmm. that's awesome. Gravity. Oh, and twisted. Oh, and twisted metal. And Last of Us. Yeah, you were right. I forgot. Yeah, oh, Twisted I Metal totally... is a PlayStation property. That's right. That's right. I totally forgot about Twisted Metal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Last God of Award Us and, then. and Horizon. Interesting. They got a lot. Yeah, they kind of got a, they've kind of got a lot in the bank right now.
0: Yeah, and right now I know we had so so far. I mean, I, I don't think they're too far off, Ernesto, because the first one was Uncharted, and you know, I think. I think we both came in there with, like, it's like it was solid. Like, it wasn't amazing, but it wasn't bad either. Hmm. Um, and then we raved about The Last of Us. So Correct. now, diving into Gran Turismo, let's see if they're still having a good track record. Um, ah. It stars Arch... <laughs> I, did, <laughs> I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it.
1: <laughs> just naturally <laughs> came out that way. It
0: just naturally came out. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Um, starring Archie Medenqui... Med, Medeque, um David Harbour, Orlando Bloom, and uh, um, Dejman Hansu, directed by Neil Blomkamp, uh, who is the director behind District 9, Elysium, and Chappie, which I, I will say this is an interesting movie to dive into next because mm-hmm. District 9, Elysium, and Chappie is not Gran Turismo. You can even tell by the trailers that's not the same movie whatsoever um and it's it's written by jason hill who also wrote american sniper um also written by zach Balin, who did king richard and creed 3 and also written by alex tessie t-s-t-s-e c um he t alex c to see alex c okay um he uh, wrote uh, the movie Watchmen, the 2000s, directed by Zack Snyder. Um, and he's also the creator of uh, Wu-Tang, an American saga that's currently on Hulu right now. I think it's wrapping up its third and final season on that one.
1: Oh, my sister's watched that. She's raved. She raves about it. She said
0: it was great. A lot of people are raving about that series. Um, but I do think it's an interesting... On the writing side, I think also just the behind the scenes in general, it's just really interesting. Neil Blomkamp, not a film I would anticipate him directing. Also, you have an interesting group of writers. You have one of, with American Sniper, King Richard and Creed Three with Zach Balin. That one kind of makes sense because it's like a sports movie, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the other ones, American Sniper, maybe I can kind of understand that, but we're going to be diving into a little bit of that uh, later on to the show. And Aristo, we are also closing out, for the most part, the the summer blockbuster season. Yeah, we've been going through this for months now, and we've we 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 reviewed almost all of them.
1: (laughs) We did, and even and I I even think some of the other ones, like maybe we sporadically saw. Yes, like I saw, like I don't think you saw Sound of Freedom, but um, I saw that there was a. I think there was another one. I think there was one that you saw that I didn't see.
0: Um, I think. I know there's one that's both we didn't see, which was Insidious that came out. Oh, that's what uh, it was. I thought you
1: saw that one. So not- No, I did not. No, <laughs>
0: no. no but we, we basically saw pretty much every movie, every big ish movie that came out uh, this summer blockbuster season. So uh, before we dive into our spoiler review of Gran Turismo, we're going to be diving into our summer blockbuster recap we're gonna be going over all the box office numbers as we teased in previous episodes that we're gonna have this conversation this episode is it uh we have all the numbers written down for you if you're watching us on youtube you're gonna see some glorious graphics here uh to kind of break down the the budget what it was projected uh the opening weekend numbers and it's total gross as of as of the recording of this day which is september 5th and um yeah, I'm really looking forward to having that conversation with you, Ernesto, because it's been a very interesting blockbuster season.
1: Absolutely. And then I guess now, like now that we have all everything put together, it'll be interesting to look at it comparatively now.
0: Absolutely. Uh, but before we dive into all of that, we're going to be diving into a fun segment to call What You're Watching. We don't have a lot of entertainment news this week. Um, there are a few things that kind of trickled in, but we'll save that for another episode. Nothing major that has happened. Uh, but let's dive in to what we've been watching. So Nesta, we'll start with you. What have you been watching?
1: So I don't have much. Uh but so I did go see the movie Strays. The the that Oh uh, no the caught that comedy that's in theaters right now. And uh yeah i'm really disappointed because i really really didn't like it like like i think i dozed <laughs> off a few times the funniest parts were in the trailer it's like literally it's like i was like oh we're going to the next that next funny part that's from the movie like there was a couple here and there but i don't know like it was something about jamie fox's performance that just didn't that just was i don't want to say off-putting but it was just not <clears throat> I'm. I don't know. It just not not like old school, like comedic Jamie Foxx. It was just felt forced almost, like or maybe mm-hmm. it was that he was phoning it. I I don't know. I don't know. It just it didn't do it for me. Like the but the I was so intrigued by the premise, and just did like- it, it just did not deliver. Like like it was like it was done. I was like okay. Like I laughed. Maybe a handful of times, and I and I sat through the whole thing, and I and I think I I think I only fell asleep once for like five minutes. (laughs) I,
0: you know, the glowing review of I've only fallen asleep once, so it must be it must be
1: all right. It just fell flat. I'm just disappointed because I really I I I I think you knew like I was really wanting to like this movie. Like I wanted it to be a hit, and it just. And it just wasn't like the the one the comedy that stole it for me this summer was um no hard feelings no hard feelings with Jennifer Lawrence and Matthew Broderick and uh, I can't remember the other kid's name
0: uh yeah what was his name um wow it literally was just it's it's there
1: he was great though the kid I'll tell you right now it's not like we have. You know, we have access to information. Andrew Barth Feldman. And that's <laughs> right. That's
0: right. Um, but yeah, I um, I I agree with you. I think that was more the the breakout movie, the the breakout comedy of the summer. Yeah. Like the one I wasn't expecting. Even the trailers didn't sell me on it. It didn't look. It didn't look. It looked okay. Nothing I need to rush to see the theater for. And you, uh, I wanted you it. You saw it. I wanted to. Sorry. I
1: really wanted. Are you talking? To, wait, which one are you talking about? Are you talking I'm about Strikes? No oh yeah, No Hard Feelings was a, was, was a great film. It was oh so good.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was saying that that movie was the like kind of like the surprise hit of the summer for me. Yeah. Like, like I mean, not not box office wise, but as far as like, I I saw the trailers. I didn't figure I was gonna like it. I wrote it off. You watched it, said it was good. I watched it and I was like, oh Ernesto was right. This actually is a really funny and genuine movie uh and so that was like for me like the surprise of the summer like i wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as i did
1: yeah i mean it had a great story and it's just you know strays was not that (laughs) like like it just felt forced like ah, just wasn't great what
0: was it was it was it raunchy like did it it push raunchy it wasn't even
1: it wasn't even that raunchy like yeah i mean like They, I mean, it ends with the dogs, like, spoiler alert. They go to the house and they actually bite a stick off, which they talk about doing in the trailer. And you get this, Mm -hmm. and you get to see that whole scene play out. And I guess, I guess it's justified. Like, if you're this, or maybe this movie just wasn't for me. I guess maybe that's what it was. Right. Because there was just, there was a lot of, like, dog owner humor i guess that's that's like the best way for me to describe it like like you mm. would get, like you would find it really funny like if you own dogs like there's a lot of like there's a lot of that stuff so like because there were people in the in the theater who were she was cackling she literally goes ha, ha, that's what my dog does <laughs> Did she say yes because yes, she was <laughs> this lady was howling so like that's why like i i uh, yeah, I didn't really like it, but I, maybe it just wasn't for me. It just, it. I guess the problem is, is that I really wanted to like it, and it just didn't hit it. It just didn't do it for me whatsoever. Like well, I barely followed the plot. Oh, it was not great.
0: Let's see. Uh, according to Rotten Tomatoes, it fifty five percent. So that's that's not that negative. A fifty five percent audience gave it a sixty nine. So, uh, you know, I guess there's. Some I it, that's rather positive. Honestly, this is higher than I thought it was going to be because I saw the I saw the trailer and I wrote this movie off. Like I didn't. There was nothing in that trailer that convinced me I needed to see the rest of it. It's like okay, so you got comedians together and they're dogs, and it's funny because they're live action dogs and they're talking like you know with profanity and whatnot. It just didn't like that. That didn't do it for me. Um, it- so. Yeah, and, and I was and, and I was hoping that you. I'm I'm surprised you watched it, and you went to the theater and watched it. So, uh, I was hoping maybe you would have given me a different. That's because I re-
1: that's I really really wanted to like this movie because like I like Will Ferrell. I was like, oh, I'm on board, and he and he was fine. I mean, he was he played like a like a timid dog version of himself. That's basically what he was. Okay, <laughs> he always plays. Himself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but there was like uh, there were certain characteristics of his of his char- like certain attributes of his character that I re- that I enjoyed that I thought was that played well but I think it's just Jamie Foxx's character that just rubbed me wrong way and then i like, i don't know but it, it was i mean it was positive because it you know it's it's bringing awareness to stray animals and animals in shelters yeah. and about you know the importance of adopting animals so i i understand the purpose of it, it just the mess, the how they packaged it just wasn't it just just wasn't there for me, mm. and I and I'm just disappointed because uh, I really I I mean I really wanted to like this movie.
0: Yeah, and and I guess you weren't alone as far as people not wanting to see it on the topic of box office numbers. As we'll get into later, I see that it opened at number five, which is not a great start at eight point five million dollars, um, and a total. Total worldwide gross was 27 million, with 21 of that being in the U.S. and six internationally. Uh, so, yeah, eight million opening, 27. Or, yeah, eight million opening, 21 million domestic. Didn't seem like a lot of people wanted to see this movie. Uh, I'm gonna quickly look up the budget real quick and see if that, uh, if if it, hopefully, I didn't spend a lot of money on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> let's. Forty-six million. Yeah, that's not that's not making that back.
1: Wow. So they haven't even made their budget yet. Not even close. <laughs> that's pretty. No. Well, that's
0: not great. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Uh, yeah, the, Universal, I believe, put out this movie. They're definitely taking a hit on that. Uh, yeah, is it Universal? It. Yeah. It it's is. Universal. Yep. Yep. Universal Pictures. Yep. Yeah, they're taking a hit there. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess they were hoping that maybe the star power of Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx would would take him in. Um, but yeah, I mean, as much like myself, I was not interested, and in, I guess the audience wasn't interested either. But at least, the, at least, there's one good thing that came out of this, Ernesto. You saw it. You were able to tell our listeners that it was not a great movie, and it confirmed for myself that I don't need to watch this movie. Yeah, but you know.
1: <laughs> I'm okay with seeing a bad movie because then it just makes you appreciate good movies that much more. So Absolutely. I agree with that. It'd son. be it it'd be it be. I also um it'd... When David was on, he was he was talking about Solar Opposites. So I actually watched this past season of Solar Opposites on Hulu and certain and mm-hmm. uh, this is the first season with I guess without Justin Roiland. And they did do a weird thing in the first episode where they literally made it a part of the episode that they changed his voice to british. And I mean it was fine, but it was it was okay. not close. I didn't find it to be close to the original to the original voice. Uh, but it was a it it is a it was a it is a weird move to like not only will you change it, but you went like as far even changing the accent of the character. Um, yeah, that is odd. But it was all right, kind of kind of more of the more of the same. They've got this you, like the show is so much more than like the main characters that that's almost like a side piece because they've got all these like little storylines. I don't know. I've talked about it. They have like where <laughs> the brother and their sister, they people who piss them off in the real world, they use their, they mm-hmm. shrink them. And then they, they have like this wall city that they put them in. And it's like a rat maze It's like a, like a, like a hamster wall. and it's, that's just, they have like this whole community and it's like this epic drama that, that that happens of like (laughs) of like a a power and like of like deceit and like all this crazy it's like so dramatic and like so intense um i i don't know i'm just i'm here for it's just silly it's a it's a great 20 minute show that you can just turn your brain off and just kind of watch and just have a good time but i know it's one of those things that you know it's not for everybody like like you have to even people who don't even who even like uh animated cartoons mm-hmm. you know i'm sorry um adult animation i guess that's what i should say adult like that like that's yes. a breed of, like just the, even the fact that you have to even watch animation because some people just hard stop at regular tv and they just see cartoons as for kids and whatever they can right, right. they, can, they <clears throat> it's their right to be close-minded <laughs>
0: <laughs> well it's funny because every time you talk about solar opposites the one thing that it's always intrigued me about the series is the fact you talk about these these miniature people on the walls. <laughs> Every time you talk about it, it's like this sounds interesting. Um, yeah, sometimes you know maybe something maybe that's something I can get into. I don't know. Maybe maybe because uh, you you're not really into Rick and Morty, maybe this one will be more your speed. Mm-hmm. Like it's funny because I'm not really into into Bob's burgers, but I like Central Park. That's their other show they created for Apple TV Plus. Yeah. So so maybe it's more of the story they decide to tell, and not like the the fact that it's adult animation. Because sometimes I feel like those shows they just like I don't I'm not I don't really get into their humor. Mm. But I feel like when there's a little bit more of a story to get behind, then I can get involved with it. But I guess it's a it's a hit or miss for me. Yeah, really. yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that aspect of the show, I think that I think that you would enjoy. I think that's something that you. Would, yeah. I think that's a part that you would really really enjoy. And like the show is riddled with great voice, um, voice acting. I think. Um, oh my gosh, Sterling Brown he did a guest spot on a couple oh, episodes for the right. People in the Wall. Tiffany Haddish plays <laughs> their, their uh their computer system, which, like I don't really care for her in some of the other stuff she's acted in, but I like, but I really like her in this. I think this fits. Okay. I think this fits well for her style of comedy. I think it fits. She's got like a good character spot in there. Like, she's good where she's at. Okay. <clears throat> and. Anything else? Uh, I mean, we're watching. Yo- Ooh. So, we have w- like one episode of Yellowstone left. And then. And oh. Then we're going to move on. Then we can. We'll move on to the bear or uh, Barry. But. In between, so I was listening to uh, Peter Berg on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he's created stuff like Ballers. Um, uh, not American. Was it American Sniper? Uh,
0: Peter Berg. He did, um, uh, well, uh, Deepwater yes, Horizon.
1: Deepwater Horizon. Yeah. Um, the The shooter one with Mark Wahlberg.
0: Uh, he's a shooter? Oh, he's done a lot. He's a lot in, in a producing role. Let me see if I can find directing. <clears throat> uh, let's see. He's done... Oh, he did Spencer Confidential, a movie we didn't really care for. <laughs> um, Patriot's Day. He did Patriot's mm. Day. And... Uh, Lone Survivor. That's the one you're talking about. Yes, yes, yes. Lone Survivor. He also did Battleship
1: as well. So he was... <clears throat> he's a creator of... The new Netflix show, Painkillers. And it's kind of, it's like, um, do you remember, I think last year I was talking about Dope Sick, the one with Michael mm-hmm. Keaton, about the Sackler family and Purdue Farms and all that. Um, he is, I'm sorry, not Purdue Farms, Purdue Pharma, not not the chicken company. <laughs> 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 um, So <clears throat> this is like another take on that. But I, so we watched the first two episodes of it and it is phenomenal. It is really well done. I think it will, I think it will be better than Dope Sick is, is my guess on. Interesting. Okay. Like it's, it's a little bit more, what's the, what's the word I would use? Uh, I want to say like chaotic, whereas Dope Sick Mm. was a little bit more of like an organized story, whereas this is like. This is like more of trying to get into the head of the people in that company, specifically the fam, the Sackler family, and like really exploring, like who these people are and how they got to do what they did. Um, I'm I'm in, I'm fully in. Um, it's great, so, and it's starring um this girl from Oranges in New York, Matthew Broderick, plays Richard Sackler, uh, Uzo, Uzo
0: Adubo? Mm-hmm. she. I think that's that's the that's from Orange. Yeah, and New that's
1: Black. crazy eyes from Oranges and New Black. Um mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Like it's like I'm a, like right as the show started, I was I was in. I was fully in.
0: So so between like like for example, like Euphoria and like even Dope Sick, I feel like I watch those trailers and it just looks like a hard drama. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, and I feel like sometimes I can't get into those types of shows because it's just like mellow tone. and like you have one tone and that's it and that's it and i like i feel like i gotta prep myself for those kind of shows especially if it's diving into deep material but i'm looking at the poster and it doesn't look like that kind it's like that hard of a drama it's really
1: not if, it, if i had to guess anything it's uh it's like a, a a dark comedy because they're like, it's the okay. subject matter. is not funny because what they did was sell right. legal heroin and they killed th- hundreds of thousands of people and ruined like so many more families. Like what, like mm-hmm. what they were able to achieve was horrific. Like these people are monsters, what they did. Um, but what's, what's interesting is like at the beginning of each episode, they do this legal disclaimer where they hmm. they they have they put somebody on camera and they say the thing what you're about to see is based on true events although some have been changed for um for dramatic purposes but then you know what th- he was talking about it in an interview and he was saying you know we just didn't want them we didn't want to just put up the slate that says you know that says that like that that's letting them off too easy so what he has, he has right. somebody read it. And then as soon as they, they read the statement, they go, well, what is real is that my son died from from f- died from overdosing on Oxycontin. And like, and then they kind of just briefly tell their story. And then, and that's how each episode starts. It's a different family who's Interesting. been, who's been affected okay. by this opioid crisis. It's really good, man. It's like, <clears throat> great like i really really enjoy it i'm i'm our i'm all in like we like the other night we were like well we really want to finish yellowstone but like man the painkillers is so good like <laughs> like how do we how do we decide which one to go back to
0: <laughs> yeah it looks like that i mean it looks like it's a miniseries there's only six episodes yeah, yeah. <clears throat> see that that's more my speed and that's it six so episodes. it's really just a long movie yeah it's really what it is it's a long movie yeah 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 <laughs> starring uh matthew Broderick um yeah i i yeah i'm more into you're you're selling me on the show yeah. like i feel like i can get behind this absolutely and even
1: uh you see uh agent colson clark Gregg. he's also he also played he oh. also plays uh he plays a role in it he plays arthur sackler kind of like the godfather okay. of uh purdue pharma like it's it's mm-hmm. wild like and they even show like some of the like po- the posters that you know, they used to put cocaine in toothpaste, like crazy shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, so, but uh, other than that, that's all I'm watching. I, I think I'm. A, I'm next week. I'll have more because we'll be done. We'll be pretty much done uh, with Yellowstone, either probably yeah. to, probably by today. <laughs> Um, yeah, I also have been
0: watching much as well. Well, I say that with an asterisk. I have been watching a lot just of the same <laughs> thing. Um so I've watched uh, we are officially caught up with Abbott Elementary. We watched all oh, two okay. seasons of it. And and I really I really enjoyed it. I like I think for me, it like you said in previous episodes, it picked up its stride in season yeah. two. Like it found its footing. Um like a lot of like to me, I think. The selling one, the selling point was, I think it was the episode before the Halloween episode, and the Halloween episode was hilarious. <laughs> like that was like really racking up like laughs per minute. I was like, okay, I, I think this is the one where we're turning things around. Uh, let's see. The and Janelle James as the principal, day. she
1: she really she really grew on me. Like, but, but yeah. almost exactly the way that. Michael Scott. Uh, Michael Scott's character grew on me in the Office. Like I didn't like it. Like I, I wasn't really here for it at first, but then quickly became my favorite. Yeah,
0: and I agree with you there. I feel like that she definitely became into her own. I think she became a lot mm-hmm. funnier. Um, but I mean, from the beginning, um, uh, Cheryl Lee Ralph, she kills it as like the veteran teacher there. Um, yeah, she's amazing. It, so it was the episode before, so season two, episode five was juice and is where um uh was is Janine mm-hmm. Yeah, Janine wanted to like replace the juice at the that the kids were drinking cuz it was healthier, but that made them need to go mm. use the bathroom all the time That's and right. then they had to like then the toilet started breaking and all that stuff and I was uh like that episode to me was hilarious and I feel like it they get like a double hit with the next one called Candy Zombies and that was like another great episode where the kids stealing the candy and they have a sugar rush and they're just bouncing off the walls and everything. And yeah, that to me, those were like the two like, OK, I think we're, we're in it. And it's funny because uh, um, uh, Gregory, he dressed up as like um, like a pilot and everyone was just kind of ragging on him and what he was. And I instantly knew. And Megan's like, how'd you know that? Because it was like, oh, he's Sully. Like the guy who planted the the plane on the Hudson, I can tell by his mustache, and also the Tom yes. Hanks movie, and and so then he's like everyone's just thinking everything other everything uh different than what that was, and um, I thought that was a pretty funny gag. And then there was like deep cuts. There was like they had a lot of Marvel references in there because obviously it's ABC and you know the Disney family, and they they did like a joke where the janitor. Like had this yellow dot on its head, and I don't think I'd forgot it for what he was. What his Halloween costume was, I don't remember. You had the kid playing uh, Thanos; he dressed up as Thanos, and then you have um, Melissa Michenti who dressed up as um, who dressed up as Scarlet Witch. And so there was a point in the episode where I feel like it's like really deep cuts here, where they. The like the kid was like the episode was ending. The kid, uh, like was down on a sugar rush. They were taking him out of the gym, and the kid pulls the yellow, like the yellow thing on his forehead, and because with that the jander looked like Vision a little bit with the thing on his forehead. So as the kid playing Thanos pulled that little thing off, uh, just like in, in uh, just like an in Avengers Infinity War. Thanos pulls off the gem from Vision and then Scarlet Witch reacts. And without saying anything, the kid pulls off the little yellow dot from his head. Uh, The janitor screams and then uh, Melissa just screams like no. And if you're not a Marvel fan, you're not going to get it. But to me, that was just like a really (laughs) funny, like really funny joke that they didn't bring attention to it. It's just if you knew it, you knew it. And that was it.
1: (laughs) You're like that joke. You're (laughs) like that that one's for me. I get it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that one's for me. Uh, yeah, and so I was like, okay, we're really we're really having fun with the writing here because that was like – it was a great setup in the beginning and it was a good payoff just for the Marvel fans. Um, so, yeah, so with that, I, I think it's a great show. I think it's an interesting way to end the season. I'm kind of upset that I caught up because I'm like, damn it, I got to wait like everybody else. And with the writer's strike and the actor's strike going on, it's like we, it's further delayed. So it's like uh.
1: – yeah, we're gonna we're gonna yeah. see we're gonna we're creeping into fall season and they don't have there's gonna be nothing coming up.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be reality TV and documentaries and a lot of uh animation. That's what you get this season because I mean, we as we already know, a lot of stuff has been, you know, pushed back already and getting delayed and so yeah, this is just we're, we're, we're at, like right now. We should be seeing our fall TVs right now, and it's not happening. Yeah. So it's
1: even gonna it's even think, gonna hurt for this uh, this fall movies movie season. Like we're gonna be getting into Oscar territory, and there's like like are we? I wonder are we gonna get to a point where the theaters are not gonna have anything new? Like like almost like COVID again.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like we are dangerously getting mm-hmm. there. Um, I feel like with streaming, it's going to be like a low. I think for right now, streaming wise, if I had to take a guess, I mean, there's a lot there's a lot less content going in there right now with a lot of primarily we see a lot of documentaries and reality TV, like I said, um, and you have like one or two big shows coming out in those streaming services to get them by for the month. And I feel like that come 2024 is where we're really going to see the hit for streaming because I think they have a decent idea what they're going to have for the rest of 2023, but then no one's creating anything for 24, so, so yeah, where I think that's when we're going to really see the hit in the future. But right now, these big blockbusters, you know, I'm sure they're still going to put out their Oscar baits and the animated movies and the indie flicks. We already know that the big blockbusters are being delayed because of it. We we already talked about Sony's movies, and um, I'm going to try to find the. Uh, here it is, yeah. Um, i will gonna save this for the news, but we're already in the topic of it that Warner Brothers Pictures delayed Dune Part Two to 2024, and it had an original release date of November 3rd, 2023, and they pushed it back because Legendary, who was the co Legendary, who was also co-producing the film with Warner Brothers, was like, if we're gonna put out Dune, we need to start advertising it in September, and that's not happening, so we're pushing it back to. They pushed it back to March
1: fifteenth of
0: twenty twenty four, so by four months.
1: Well, because they're thinking about all the money that they're investing in this project, and they want to be able to utilize their marketing from their mm-hmm. actors and their produce and who and everyone like they, like which is I understand you know I I yeah. get it you know they want to be able to promote the film and do the press so they can get the word out the film so they can get their so they can make good on their return. So and, I mean and, I, and it I'm, makes sense.
0: It does make sense and also Legendary took a huge hit in, you know, when they released um Godzilla versus Kong and when they released Dune part one because that was during the pandemic and that was a time when they were doing like streaming and theaters at the same time. Yeah. So they already lost they already took a hit on those movies and they're like, We're not doing this again. We're gonna delay it and this is gonna be a theatrical film first and you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna do this this dance again. We, like if we want to make you know our, our best chances of making you know our the money possible. I feel like they they did lose a good slot though. I think November was a great time to release that movie. Now oh, yeah. they might be now they're battling with like the the springtime with like other spring movies that come out around this time. Um, they obviously the reason for the strike was for the uh, the reason for the delay was for the WAG so and actor strikes, which prevents uh, the actors from promoting the film. Um, what's interesting about the move, though, for Dune, and it kind of sets up an interesting block, uh, you know, a kind of like a fall winter season, was that the delay allows the Marvels to have IMAX showings, because Dune got pushed back. Because Dune was originally taking over all the IMAX screens. It was premiering. Uh, it looks like a week before the Marvels would have came out, and the Marvels was not expected to have any IMAX showing. And now that Dune got delayed, the Marvels has now, a, a, now they're going to be released in the film in IMAX. On top of that, now we're talking about Oscar season. Dune had a really good Oscar season back in 2022 when it was up for all those technical awards. And it was going to be an interesting Oscar season coming up in 2024 when you had Oppenheimer and Dune kind of battling it out for those technical awards. That seems mm. Dune, uh, seemed that Oppenheimer was going to be Um, favored for. But now that Dune got pushed back, Dune's not going to be looked at the Oscars until 2025, meaning Mm. that Oppenheimer has a great chance and has less competition going into this Oscar season. So there's a lot more than just they're pushing back the release date. It actually
1: helped in other ways as well. Yeah, I wonder if that was part of that process too. Like You you bringing that up brings up a good point. They probably saw Oppenheimer go, well, we don't want to... Like let's <laughs> let's obviously give Oppenheimer its due. Like we're already sure. thinking about pushing it back. Let's just put it a further net. Let's put it as a as the next Oscar season. Like why have these yeah. two? Like you know it's gonna be Oppenheimer Oscars. You know especially the technical stuff. It's gonna be Oppenheimer versus Barbie. Like that's what it should be next year. Um, yeah. And if they wait till the following year, I mean, cause they they have a shot with their costume design, their production design, like Dune is definitely in the conversation, but given this year with the, the massive success with a Barbie and Oppenheimer, it almost will, I think in the long, it sucks for us because we have to wait, but I think in the long run will help Dune tremendously moving, actually pushing that, that release date. Yeah, my my only concern
0: is that now that the movie comes out in March, we just have to the, the Academy needs to remember that movie for a whole another year after its release because most likely it won't be the the most likely the Oscars will probably not be until late February, early March of 2025 for when Dune is eligible. So, hopefully they that this movie's still in their minds, which I'm sure it will be. I'm not I don't think it, you know, they're going to, you know, forget about the movie. Um, but also in result of the delay, other films had to be had to be pushed back, including Godzilla, uh, X Kong, The New Empire, shifting only by a month. So it's also again it's crowded in its own legendary Warner Brothers circle. You had Dune Part Two coming out in March 15, 2024, and then then you have Godzilla X Kong coming out February 12, 2024 and they also pushed back the animated film Lord of the Rings: The War of the Ro- Rohirrim, I don't know what that word is. Um, uh, and they moved it to December 13, 2024. I was going to save that for when we talked about the news, but we were on the topic and so here we are. Um, but but yeah, either way going back to back to our you know kind of bringing it back full circle here. Uh, yes, a lot of things are getting delayed. I feel like you know the movies are being pushed back. We're not getting your normal television shows that should be happening right now. Things that were most likely we were looking forward to, like Stranger Things and other films, um, are also going to be uh, you know in question as well. So, yeah, and we also know, uh, speaking of other delays, that Marvel kind of shifted a few of its release dates. I mean, we don't know what those dates were because they didn't really announce it, but. Echo was supposed to come out this year and they pushed it to January 2024. What If was, uh, I think got pushed up a little bit. So that's going to be released in December of this year. Um, And then they pushed back um, the Agatha show to fall of 24. And then they also kind of gave us that the X-Men animated series got moved up to like early 2024. So Ernest, it's not a coincidence that the two animated shows that, that Marvel's working on got moved up. And then the live action shows got pushed back. Mm. So we're just seeing the the, kind of the downfall and like the repercussions of the strikes that a lot of things are just being shifted around right now. So, yeah, not not great. Uh, But, you know, we have to do this, but. Yeah. Either way, going back again, full circle. Um. Now I'm very. I'm looking forward to season three. I think it's going to be a fun show to keep up with when they do finally have new episodes for us to watch.
1: Yeah, but di- now we're talking about Abbott Elementary. The um, with the finale of Abbott Elementary, did you feel mm-hmm. like that was a proper season finale? Because it kind of felt like there was. kind of felt like it was like a mid-season finale. Like it didn't feel like the end.
0: I agree. It did. Like it just kind of ended. I do feel like that. I do feel like it's a finale in the sense that they were kind of building up to, like, go to the Franklin Institute. So that I feel like because they talked about it in previous seasons and then it happened. Mm. Um, so that was good for the kids. So I feel like in that sense it was a finale. But where the story ended, yeah, it did feel like we're taking like our our like our winter break and we'll come back, you know, yeah. in a few weeks. But but yeah, it didn't feel like a true season finale. I do agree with you there. Um. But yeah, and the other thing that I watched that I watched a lot of is uh, I finished all four seasons of Star Wars Rebels, and Mm. I will say that after the strong season two finale that I raved about last episode, um, I think it took a little bit of a dip in season three. It was like it was consistently good, but nothing great or amazing happened into it until again the season finale of season three, where we were. Uh, I think the re- I think their finales have been really strong each season, mm. and we got the introduction of Thrawn, who is going to be a major player. I'm assuming in Ahsoka. I haven't started Ahsoka yet, but I did all of this watching in preparation for Ahsoka, uh, so I feel like I'm very much prepared to watch this show now, and. Um, yeah, I think they they stuck the landing on on the finale. I think the finale is really strong. Um, overall, it was a good Star Wars show. I feel like overall, like th- from for the entire season, it was definitely had a more kid base. Obviously, it was a, it was an it's it's a cartoon, um, but they every now and then they have your they have their moments where I was like, damn, that's that's a great Star Wars story right there. Like that's some great Star Wars TV. Like I felt more like good moments in this animated series than i did on certain live action stuff they've been putting out Mm. like you know there's like there's certain there was like one episode where they brought back obi-wan kenobi and for those who didn't watch it i don't want to spoil it but they brought back obi-wan kenobi for one episode and he was only in it for like six minutes and i was like in six minutes they made me feel something more than the entire obi-wan kenobi series
1: was it but was it ewan mcgregor
0: no, it was the, because where Star Wars takes place, this is, this was closer to a new hope. So it was an older version ah, okay. of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ah, yeah. Okay. Okay. But it, but it sounded like the actor who played Obi-Wan in like 1977. It sounded like him. And I was like, Oh, that's uncanny. <laughs> uh, uh,
1: and that's actually, how, I f- how, think I forgot Kenobi to, was. I think I forgot to mention that I also, I actually also started Rebels as well. I watched the, nice. the first two, the first two episodes, like the two episode opening arc. And you said you liked it. Oh, I loved it. I think it's great. I think it's yeah. a great TV. Like I started watching it. I was watching it by myself, and my son walks in. He goes, "Oh, what are you watching?" I was like, "Oh, I'm watching, you know, watching Rebels," because you know, this is like the setup for Ahsoka. He's like, oh, "Okay." He's like, he kept walking by. He's like, "Huh." <laughs> like at first, he was watching from afar. And then he slowly got closer and closer and then ended up on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, all right,
0: I'm going to watch this. Right. This looks interesting. Yeah, go for you,
1: it. Did your kids watch a lot of Star Wars or, or no? Uh, my son Edward does. He's more of a Star Wars fan okay. than Julian is. Got it, got it. Um, but, yeah, so, like,
0: now I feel like I'm prepared to watch Ahsoka, so I look forward to maybe maybe my next week I'll watch a few episodes. Maybe I could caught up. Um, but, yeah, Star Wars is, is good, like, for Star Wars. Star Wars fans, there's a lot to enjoy there. Um, it was one of the last Star Wars shows I hadn't seen, so I feel like now I'm caught up with, like, a good majority of the Star Wars content that's out there. So, that, you know, I feel good about that. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think you're in for a ride if you can lean into some of the stuff. It, it There's some deep cuts in there, too. But, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to see how, like, a live-action Thrawn is in the Ahsoka series. It also
1: seems a little bit more cohesive than... Um... Than like um clone wars
0: it is yeah yeah you're, you're very much focusing on the rebels and uh, the certain group of midfits, you know kind of teaming together to fight the empire um yeah and they're like there's like you're definitely a lot of filler episodes there's a lot of filler episodes that you can like if you're looking to like a quick binge you can probably skip a few of them and just like focus on the main story. Um, but yeah, so that's the only thing that I feel like that I, like was a downside of this. Cause not every episode was as strong as like maybe the previous one. Um, but yeah, but there are definitely a lot of big moments in there too. That was enjoyable. Mm. But, um, but yeah, other than that, that's uh, that's all I've been watching. Um, but with that, Ernesto, we're going to be diving in to our summer blockbuster our summer blockbuster recap, we're going to go over all of the box office numbers. Uh, this is a segment that we've been teasing for quite some time now. And we felt the need to have this conversation because the, the, the blockbuster season, the box office numbers have been kind of wild and all over the place. This season, this is the first year that like, it feels like we're officially out of the pandemic and like the movie theaters are back. So like, this is the first summer season, <clears throat> excuse me, this is the first summer season, I should say, that it feels like that the movies are back. We have some strong hitters. We are in the movies every single weekend, Ernesto, with with what the, they were coming out with. Sometimes and that's I twice felt a like
1: week. There was a couple of... Sometimes there was, twice a There were some of, weeks yeah. I went twice.
0: So it definitely felt like that there... Like, now is a good time to kind of focus on it, to see what people went out for, what was the... Um, what was the movies that kind of broke the numbers? We, I think we can name at least one <laughs> that kind of broke it. What didn't resonate with people and what reasons were that? You know, why, why we can speculate why people don't want to go out to see that movie or why everyone wants to go out and see a particular movie. Um, so, yeah, let's just dive right into it right now. Um, the first movie I want to start with is Mario. The Super Mario Bros. movie. Now, technically, this isn't the summer. This was uh, this was released in April. Uh, but I want to start with this one to kind of just give you an idea of how these conversations are going with one of the biggest movies of the year. Uh, Super Mario Bros. movie had a budget of 100 million dollars. It was projected to make just over that, with 112 million dollars um, opening weekend. It shattered those expectations with 146 million. And now you can see. Um, the worldwide gross there of $1.35 billion. Again, all, every, all these numbers we're talking about in this segment is as of the recording date, the numbers could change, especially with the worldwide gross. Yeah. Um, today's date is September 5th. But, yeah, the Ernesto,
1: is an understatement to say that this movie was a monster hit. I think that this movie shattered a lot of expectations, especially since there were some... You know, there was some conversation about Chris Pratt uh, not having the Mario mm-hmm. voice. But, you know, as we talked about in our review, like they found a way to address it in a creative way that was like that actually made it work, which I thought was a gamble because you were, you were yep. doing that to one of the most iconic voices in voice acting, which is the voice of Mario. Like when people right. think of voice acting and animation, like that's what that's one of the main ones. You know, everybody knows who Mario is. So mm-hmm. it's like to take such an iconic voice like that, and then to still s- deliver such a smash hit. I mean, Jack Black was born to play Bowser. Oh yeah, with the peach. So, you know, with the Peach's song, it was great. It was a it was a great movie. Like I'm glad to see, and then I think it. The plot is simple enough that it it's good for a wide variety of audiences.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of things were going well for this movie. One, Mario. It's a massive IP that was coming to the big screen. The only other Mario property that was there was the live-action version, I and mean, you can even hardly count that. So that, I feel like a lot of fans this movie something new in the theaters. It was the only animated movie out there for – for and, and I feel like because it was geared more to kids, a lot of families went out there to take their kids to go see it, and –
1: probably see it again and again and again and what's it on it's on uh paramount peacock it's on peacock my my daughter has watched it like a hundred times at least she loves it and now but see and now she (laughs) wants now she wants to play the mario games so it worked
0: (laughs) it it definitely worked and uh 1.35 billion dollars yeah i would say it worked quite well when we're talking about these numbers i think it's a good rule of thumb to keep in mind is that the general rule of thumb is that a movie needs to make two point five times its budget successful successful as the marketing as the marketing budget is usually equal to its production cost, and then there's the movie theater's cut. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about these movies going forward, two and a half times the budget is technically considered a success or close to those numbers double is probably preferred so i would say that under a hundred million dollar budget and i think the budget and worldwide gross is a conversation we're going to be having uh, there are two topics that we're talking about a lot here because with that
1: ernesto it made 10 times its budget yeah that's it easily a made huge its, win easily you can easily say it made its money back easily <laughs> i think i think it's safe to say that the movie was a success
0: I think I think it's easily safe to say. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and and like I said, even though it was geared to kids, this movie wasn't necessarily. I enjoyed the movie for what it was, and it's Mario and it had a lot of Easter eggs in it. Um. And it was also geared toward a younger audience, but I, because it was geared to younger audience, I think it made a lot of money for that reason. I agree. Um. Yeah. So now let's dive into our next movie, um, which is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Uh. Pretty much the the first movie to kick off. The summer movie blockbuster season, um, and it had a, a huge budget of two hundred and fifty million dollars. It was projected to open with one hundred and twenty million dollars. It came in a little bit short with one hundred and fourteen, but I think that's okay because the worldwide gross was eight hundred
1: and forty five point five million dollars. Fantastic movie! Like, um, I mean, this would these two like we got a great kickoff to the summer movie season between mm-hmm. Mario and this one. Like then, then this one, you know, this is, this was James Gunn send off before he heads over right. to DC. Um, so there was just, a, I, th- I felt like there was a lot riding on this movie to be great. And it was. Yeah. And it was. And I
0: think the fact that it was successful, definitely, you know, kind of leans into its box office numbers. The, the, the and you you just mentioned James Gunn's last movie in the MCU as he goes over to DC. I feel like a lot of eyes were on this movie to see how he was going to close out the chapter. A lot of eyes on the Guardians because it's most like the last time we're going to see them all together, and they talked about that as well. And so yeah, and also this was like the like aside from Spider Man No Way Home. This was like the next big movie that a lot of people were looking forward to after Endgame, because all of the other movies were kind of smaller in the sense of like we're getting introduced to newer characters like Shang Chi and Element uh, and Elemental <laughs> and uh, Eternals, um, and we weren't really you know, we had like Thor two and Doctor Strange, but it wasn't you know we weren't really I, I feel like it didn't didn't match as to what we were expecting those movies to be but this one like you said had a lot riding on it and i think that because it was because of good word of mouth and everything that was standing against it worldwide at 845.5 million dollars uh yeah that's um i think again they made their money that they, they just over tripled the amount of their 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 budget there so i think for marvel it was a big success in that front
1: and then we move over to some firmly. We got <laughs> Fast X with a budget of three hundred and forty million dollars. Projected opening was sixty million. million. they they at least surpassed what they what they opened at sixty seven point five million and a total worldwide gross of seven hundred and four point seven million dollars, which is crazy because the movie is not that great. But <laughs> I think typically these movies don't do; they do better internationally than they do domestically. Like, I just wanted to look it up real quick. Domestically, it made 145 million, and internationally, where it made 79 percent of its money, it made um, and and 749 thousand dollars. So it, wow. so like the movie is for us, but it's it was clearly. I guess for the rest of the world, like, but those, but those like extravagant movies like that tend to always do better over there than they do over here. It at least it seems yeah. like you know.
0: And also, let's just go back to the budget: three hundred and forty million dollars. That's an ugly amount of money to devote into this. Like, I can't understand like as far as Universal is concerned of like we're gonna spend. million on this one movie. I don't know I don't understand how they can expect to make a profit when the projected opening was sixty million million dollars. And
1: I'm sixty million. And I'm not that great at math. So let's see. Seven oh four divided by three forty. That's only it's a little bit over two times the budget. So it technically was not a success. No. No, it wasn't. Um and, and the sense like it was like it almost like in this case the
0: movie broke even. But Again, as we're going to be talking about the budget on a lot of these movies, there, there could have been a cheaper version of that. Right? There could have been... That's a, that's a, a like wild a two, number. Like,
1: that's crazy. It is. $340 like, million to make the movie that you put out? And let's not forget, it's only half of the movie. So only half right. of the movie costs three hundred. <laughs> only half of the story costs three hundred and forty million dollars. I'm sorry, it's going to be in three parts. So th- yeah. I'm sorry, it's only a that's a third <laughs> of, of the story of of the, the cost for this story.
0: Honestly, what's crazy about this is that if they had cut off a hundred million dollars, like we just talked about, Guardians three making two fifty, if a $250 budget is a large amount of money in and of itself to make a movie. So even if you had that, you're, you would have made a a huge gain in financially. Yeah. Like if you're doing two times, you would definitely would have made your money. And then some, if you just cut off a hundred million dollars in that, in that budget. But yeah, even on the domestic level, maybe they thought that they they can get grab audiences on a, grab audiences on an international level. But like, $67.5 million on a $340 million. If you're looking at opening weekend, this movie is going to be a flop.
1: Yeah, that's not great.
0: (laughs) No, no, it's not. Um, But also, I think I remember uh, reading that this movie opened under what Fast 9 did. That's right. And it was in a pandemic. I think Fast 9 opened to $70 million, and this one, outside of the pandemic, opened with less – which to me is like wow, that's kind of crazy, um, and so I don't know. I feel like for me these numbers. Well, well, first of all, Universal spent way too much money on this movie. Let's. I mean, I don't know if Let's anything has to do with the
1: pandemic. <laughs> they spent yeah, way too it, much making this movie.
0: They went. They spent way too much. Um, I don't know if anything to do with the pandemic as well. They could have been had strict uh, filming rules during the pandemic, which made things cost a little bit more. That is a possibility, um, but with that universal you got to cut the budget a lot for the next movie because clearly your you know even looking at the opening weekend numbers are not matching your budget you got to bring it down but again worldwide it looks like at least they broke even which i don't think a studio strives to break even <laughs> yeah so
1: so well, yeah that's fast X, is what it is. it is what it is you know and yeah it just
0: and I enjoyed the movie I, I liked it I
1: just don't I, I, I just know, can't
0: just I know that
1: you do these know. numbers
0: <laughs> but the, like like for me as a fan of the franchise I enjoyed the movie so thank you for putting it out there but as like I'm looking at your financials
1: bro you gotta Come on! You
0: gotta cut the cost down.
1: You gotta rein it in. (laughs) Stop cutting. Rein it in. Maybe not having, maybe not have so much of the family in every movie. Maybe that, maybe that might help keep that number down a little bit. (laughs) Well, and then from Fast X we go to Little Mermaid. Budget, two hundred and fifty million. Projected opening, one ninety six. Opening weekend, ninety six million. Total gross, five hundred and sixty nine point one million. This is another one that I'm kind of curious if it made more internationally than it did domestically.
0: Uh, the projected was a 100. you said what you said 196. Oh excuse me.
1: Projected opening I've 100 been... million opening weekend it made 96. Total worldwide gross mm-hmm. 569 point1 million. Um, it's actually it's actually pretty split. Uh, 298. Two hundred ninety-eight million domestically and about two seventy-one internationally. So it's about it was okay. a little bit. Yeah. It's about fifty-fifty. A little bit more here domestically. Um, it was it was okay. I tell you, I had my small issues with the movie, but it's one of those that I just I just thought it wasn't maybe it just wasn't for me. Uh, but Hallie yep. Bailey's rendi- Halle Halle Bailey's performance was incredible. What I do wish for that is I just wish they would have given her. Her, her own movie as her own princess, like like not rehash something that's already been done, not recycle something else. Like she was deserving of something original is kind of my take on that.
0: Yeah, and I feel like maybe uh, Disney was looking, and we're going to be talking a lot about Disney and their not-so-successful films they put out this year. Yeah, they've had a floppy
1: um, summer. Let's just call it that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not wrong. I feel like they had a, I mean, I guess Dis- Marvel's under Disney so no sorry yeah marvel is under disney so um i guess guardians is a success story in that in that front but it's the only one that we're gonna be talking about and you know after after all the the movies no that's that's a lie that's a lie i feel like yes you're right they had a floppy summer but we're gonna be kind of going flip-flopping on their like They've, they've had a rough summer Let's we're gonna we'll
1: way. come back to it at the end once we go through them all but i'm i'm yeah. pr- if i had if just off the top of my head i'm pretty sure they have all been bad more or less for the with the exception of guardians 3 guardians and when we later talk about elemental
0: i think they. that uh, yes okay yes yes yeah
1: yeah, yeah yeah well and i won't even um, give it to them because it's pixar
0: <laughs> but then but then at that point you don't give it to them because it's marvel so okay you know what <laughs> yeah you're right you're know I mean? you're right you're right yeah. you're right <laughs> But if we're just talking about solely Disney, then yeah, they've had a rough. They had a rough summer. Yeah, had a rough summer. Put it that way. Um, But yeah, but with that, so you have a budget of two fifty, which seems to be the average these days. I feel like two hundred should be your limit. I just that's just me. Um, But yeah, two hundred and fifty million is your limit. uh, Is your budget? You know, I think it opened pretty well. Like it opened better than
1: Guardians. Well, I mean, like the the marketing for this film was like I mean it was everywhere. Like they were mark. They marketed oh. the shit out of this movie, and it, plus, it had a lot of nostalgia writing on it. Like you're gonna, right. this is the live action of one of Disney's most iconic IPs, like the Little Mermaid. Right. So it, so the marketing helped, like the self marketing of yeah. having the property itself, plus all the push they put, they pushed to put it out, and not. And I think yeah. you know the budget is kind of high, but I mean, I mean a lot of it is CG. A lot of it was that you know that, yeah interesting underwater CGI. I guess I'll use that. Sure. That, I'll, yeah. I'll go with that term. That sounds nicer.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so I misspoke. Guardians had a better opening weekend than uh, Little Mermaid. But $96 million is still pretty good, um, even though it came in under what it was projected. Um, and I guess as far as the success, I guess not so much. If we're looking at two and a half times the, the amount, it should be sitting around the seven hundred dollar range, $700 million range. And it looks like it just... Like got a little over. Like I feel like another movie that's kind of breaking even.
1: Well, let's um, In the sense times of times two point five. We, we do great math here, guys. They should have made six hundred. <laughs> no, they did not. It was they should have made six hundred and twenty five million if they wanted to make two and a half times. Okay. The budget. So
0: we're close but no cigar yeah. in this particular instance. Um, and I think Disney was kind of looking for a big win here because some of the other ones like Lion King and Aladdin came out of a billion dollars. And this is the same. This The Little Mermaid came out around the same time as the Disney Renaissance, and this actually was the movie to kick off the Disney Renaissance. Because after Little Mermaid, which came out in '89, I believe, um, then you had, uh, then you had The Lion King in '94. You had Aladdin in '91. So yeah, I mean, those were big hits. So, um, so yeah, I think they were kind of looking for a bigger hit than what it was, and um, I wonder. What could have been? Maybe a lot of people didn't resonate with the story. Maybe people are getting tired of live action uh, remakes. Yeah,
1: um, I, I, I don't understand. Like, you know, we've 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 beat this 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 topic with a dead horse. Like, at this, yes, like, absolutely. like it, like it's time. Like, I guess maybe there was a time. I think that there was a time for some movies that maybe warranted it. And then people just like, oh, there's money in this. Well, let's just fucking mm-hmm. remake everything. Everything that anybody has ever loved, we're gonna continue it and or remake it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's it's a choice.
0: Obviously, I'm gonna be here for all of them because you know that's just the movie people that we are. Uh, I'm gonna watch it because I'm curious, but ultimately, I've just not. You know, I I don't have any excitement for these live action remakes. I never really did. Um, but this is just another one of those. And I feel like in some cases they did some things better than the animated movie, but, um, yeah, clearly there, you know, people went to go see this movie and obviously it was split between domestic and internationally, but I, I think they were looking for more and it just didn't do it. And I wonder if it's because a lot of people, you know, they they wanted to see guardians more i feel like it's a different audience maybe a lot of people were kind of holding out for another movie to come out later in the in the summer mm-hmm. who knows what would have you know didn't drive people to the theater because i feel like this would have been easy for me this is no brainer this would have made a lot a lot more money than it than it did so i guess for some reason it didn't yeah uh but let's move over to the next film that i'm really excited for uh spider-man across the spider-verse with a budget of $100 million, it was projected to open with $80 million. And man, did it shatter that by opening weekend, $120.5 million. That's $40 million over than what it was projected with a worldwide gross of $689.3 million uh, as of right now on a $100 million budget, Ernesto. I feel like that... There you go. That That's how you make a that's profit. Success. That's a right summer there.
1: success. That's a clear, Absolutely. clear, clear summer success. They all made their movie. And also, I'm just looking now, like, they're split as far as domestic internationally. Um, it's 381 domestic and 308 international. So, once again, a nice... Kind of seems, like, very even. Like, it's very interesting how mm-hmm. certain movies are very 50-50, and then certain movies mm-hmm. are just, like, fast sex. It's, like... Like 8020 almost. Like <laughs> Yeah. Like, like total op- total yeah. opposite. Uh but this was a great movie. Even though this is this is kinda this one kind of falls into the like you're only giving me half the story. Like you're not giving me mm-hmm. like um I feel like there was a movie we watched this summer that was like It was Fast X. No no that for as far as negatively, but I felt like just recently oh. we saw something that was like a part one or a part two. But it's still like the movie still gave us the complete story. And I can't I can't it, it escapes me right now. But I do I do remember vaguely that there was something that we watched that was uh that was Oh, Mission Impossible. Yes. Thank you. Mission Impossible, Dead mm-hmm. Reckoning, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I felt like as far as like giving as far as movies part one and part twos, that one shines. Um in that aspect whereas like it is a part one but it is a complete story whereas spider-man across the spider-verse while it was a great film we did only get half the story and you left us at the cliffhanger aka fast x driving the car down the hoover dam (laughs) it's like you know what i mean like it's one of those like you give us a a cliffhanger finale and it's like oh we gotta wait two years but then you, they yeah. make these movies like that. So then, when that movies, when the next one's gonna come out, they're gonna re-release the first one to kind of bump, help re-bump up these numbers. Cause you know, like, oh, this is a part one. Like, in order to understand it, I'm gonna have to re-watch the first one. So then they're gonna sell, right. then they're gonna sell the re, the first one coming out again. And then they're probably gonna do special event tickets, double feature of the first one and the second one it's kind of my it's kind yeah. of my 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 <clears throat> overlying guess of what they're going to do once the once we get to the next part of these films. So I I understand it. I just feel like when you do it this way, you're cheaping out the audience whereas like Mission Impossible showed us that there is a way to do it. Like you just need to like I don't know, you just need to f- pick a different endpoint for from part 1 to part 2. Like give us mm-hmm. there needs to be some sort of wrap up and resolution. Like I should be able to watch a movie and not like and enjoy it, and kind of feel obligated, but not necessarily... Like I shouldn't feel a hundred percent obligated to watch the next one if I don't want to. But now you've already made you sure, now you've already sure. committed me. Whereas like there should be some sort of resolution into the story that was given. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I'm at with, with like the this movie in conversation with other movies that are like that.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, and I mean I really I. Aside from the story, the animation for this movie was, was gorgeous. Absolutely, and Yeah, it, it's bar none. I feel like a lot of this movie's success was the success of Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, uh, Into the Spider-Verse. And back in 2018, a lot of... Like, it didn't make as much, I believe. Like, Into the Spider-Verse opened with 60 or 65 million dollars when that movie opened. So it nearly doubled um, with what... What this movie made, and I think a lot of it had to do with the hype surrounding about the first movie, the fact that it won an Oscar, the hype leading into this movie, and the anticipation for this next movie. Um, I think the marketing did a really good job of promoting the movie, and then it, it delivered. You saw a crazy animation just like the first movie, even better so. I think word of mouth got a lot of people excited for it and therefore turning out a huge uh, gain for uh for Sony and and also it's spider-man it's gonna make money regardless uh,
1: you know I, I'll agree with that man I mean the 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 mix that they did in live action which I feel like they're teasing us up for what's to come for mm-hmm. for the third movie uh, but just to go back into the spider- verse uh, worldwide was three it made 384 million uh domestic opening of 35 million and a budget of ninety wow. million. Okay,
0: so I was off. I said 60. So the opening was 35 million. That's, I mean, but look at, I mean, that's four times the amount of it, at least in the opening weekend, more than double for the sequel. So clearly that and those numbers alone just kind of showcase how much people really wanted the sequel and how much of an impact that when going into the, the first movie, people probably just saw it as, oh, it's just an animated Spider-Man movie. I don't have to watch that. And now the sequel comes out and all the like, what that movie had done for spider-man and for animation people are like i can't sleep on this movie again i have to watch it
1: mm. and, and and interesting um, it made um 381 uh, across the spider-verse made three hundred eighty one thousand domestically 381 million domestically and 308 internationally whereas the first one i just saw actually it was more of a direct 50 50 um with mm. a little bit more internationally actually so, so the first one did better internationally whereas this one did a, a little bit better it was like you know 80 about almost a little bit less than 80 million more domestically than it did internationally for the second one
0: yeah and the fact that the budget was the same you said the budget was around 90 million dollars for into the spider verse yes. they only upped it by, 10 more million to make the sequel and they had a huge return so they already had a good good like profit on the first movie they had a huge profit on the second one
1: i mean that's a good gamble Their projected opening was 80 Mm -hmm. so you were projected to make almost your full budget back in one weekend that's right that's a okay Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) yeah and and it and and it's like
0: and then the movie was like hold my beer i'll 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 raise you with uh we will like we'll see that expectation and also
1: what a conservative approach to like increasing your budget like only increasing it by 10 yeah. million like and but then like you get fast sex that's what what was it 250 3 million <laughs> 300, 350 350 some crazy stupid ass number for that movie and like look at the yeah. quality difference and then this is like a fully yeah, animated absolutely. movie whereas that one is a live action yes. <laughs> I mean, also,
0: we're we're talking about different audiences here that we are appeasing to, but also, it, it as it was as everything, it goes down to the creators, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later in some of the other movies that we're gonna be watching. Like the creators make a difference. You can 100%. have a smaller budget and make a fantastic movie, as opposed to a big budget and not make a us, you know, as good as you know as it could be. So the budget does not mean that it's gonna be a great movie. <laughs> True. Um, let's talk about the next one. All right. No, so you take okay.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I thought we were gonna do every two, but it's okay. Uh,
0: is, it, is it two? No, I can do. It. No, it's no. I mean, it's whatever you.
1: It's you know, fine, you it's it's. No, I mean, but you know, you want fine. me to okay, do, fine. This fine. One, I'll, I'll do this one? I'll do the. I'll do this one, and then I'll do I the next fine. one. How about that one? How about that? Fine. Fine. All right. Okay. So perfect. <laughs> we so we have we have things so organized here, guys. All right. So okay. <laughs> the next movie is Transformers: Rise of the Uh Budget two hundred million. Projected opening seventy. Opening weekend was sixty million, so kind of underperformed a little, a little bit there, and it only made four hundred and thirty-eight million worldwide. I'm also gonna look. I'm curious because now, without me seeing the number, I'm gonna guess that it did better um, internationally than it did domestically. That's a good Let's guess. go. I'm right. <laughs> it did 157 million domestically and 281 million internationally. But these this is another one that these typically like these epics like this tend to do better across the globe than they do here. Like I like I don't know what it is about. It is the, like these big CGI movies like 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 mo- monster movies like stuff like this. Like Godzilla and this movie yeah. and the other one and, you know, Fast X for whatever reason seemed to do well <laughs> across seemed to do well across the globe. But um, this is one that was a surprise for me that I surprisingly yeah. really enjoyed. i really loved Anthony Ramos's performance. Also, um, uh, was it Pete Davidson? Dumb. Pete Davidson was yeah. like I was like what he was he did surprisingly good in that role and I am not and I am not really a Pete Davidson fan what's at all whatsoever mm-hmm. um but it was surprisingly good I I've I really enjoyed it it was an enjoyable film like uh I think I think it was a little on the long side if I remember um but kind of sad to see that it, yeah. it looks like it looks like it barely bro- like it broke its budget but not the two and a half not to be financially viable. Right. Yeah and, yeah, and I feel like a lot of people
0: have a love-hate relationship with the Transformers. I mean, and obviously I this is them. more Taylor. and I change. hated
1: them after number 3, and I love the first three. I feel like after 3 it kind of dropped like the story is like what the, what the fuck are you doing? Like it just kind of just went, yeah. it kind of just went way left field um but I this this one brought it back for me.
0: Yeah, and I feel like at that point, you know, you can even look at the, you know, I'll look at a, see how the box office numbers were for Transformers. Uh, What was the, like the prior ones after the Michael Bay? Oh, no, they were all Michael Bay. Um, Age of Extinction. Yeah, it's a 2014 movie. Uh, That one made a billion dollars. And it opened at a $100 with the first movie with Marky Mark. And I feel like this was the one after Shia LaBeouf, so a lot of eyes were on it. But I am curious about the last night. Uh, but here, and that's
1: another one. It? This, look at, this is a really, this is a perfect 80-20 split. Domestically, it made 240. We're talking about, now we're actually talking about age of extension. Um, 245 domestically and 858 internationally.
0: Wow. wow. Um, that's wild. Uh, I, and so like, What's interesting is that Transformers: The Last Night, which was the last movie directed by Michael Bay, opened to 44 million domestically, had uh, a 605 million dollar worldwide. 78 percent of that was international, 21 percent was domestic. So it's definitely made more money, but I think obviously domestically, a lot of people kind of like, okay, we're done. We don't. <laughs> we're done with the Transformers franchise. 44 million opening is not great. Um, and then I would quickly want to look up Bumblebee because that one kind of like this is a preamble it back. A and this bit. is the that's right. this is
1: technically the part two to that.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, it looks like Bumblebee opened to 21 million with uh, 467 worldwide. 72 uh, percent of that international, 27 percent, 27 percent domestic. So, again, tailoring to an international market, it made just a little worldwide the amount just made it's just over what Rise of the Beast mm-hmm. did so like Bumblebee closed out at 467 million looks like uh, Rise of the Beast is kind of plateauing at 438 million so i do feel like that because of the opening which was 60 million was better than Bumblebee which was 21 mm-hmm. so i think from there we i think we're gaining I, as an audience, I believe we're, the the Transformers are gaining our trust
1: again. I will agree with you because I I liked yeah. Bumblebee, but I definitely enjoyed this movie way more way more than Bumblebee. I mean, it was it was a it was a back back to that like the the charm that the original one had before Michael Bay yeah. Michael Bay did. <laughs>
0: right, and I and I agree. I mean, well, Michael Bay wasn't part of all of them, but I think this one under new direction had a better it had def- a definitely a better approach, a better vision. It wasn't about just robots you know fighting each other and like chaos happening. there was there was moments where it was I had its downtime and in those downtimes we were able to connect with the the human characters and therefore the robots. and you therefore, know, it was a, just a better product at at the end of the day. I agree with you. this was surprise, surprisingly good. and even though it didn't look like it made back its money, um, it, it looks like again another movie that's probably breaking even, if not just coming under that. Um, it, with that ending, I think it's setting set, it's setting itself up for success.
1: Yeah, I agree. And then you know, hopefully we see what what's gonna come next, especially with the way that this one ended. They they teased the uh, they with I don't want I don't want to give it away since it's still pretty recent, but they. They teed up a great way to keep continuing the the franchise itself. Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, uh, moving on, we have the Flash. Uh, budget two hundred and twenty million. Projected opening seventy million. Opening weekend it made fifty five million, and a worldwide only two hundred and sixty eight million dollars. Now, this movie obviously has had been in so much controversy there's been so many issues with Ezra Miller and just like what he brought to production and things that he was doing in his outside life and you know COVID put uh, what else there was something else that affected was it COVID that pushed the time back yeah well
0: COVID didn't help and also just they like were shooting James Gunn that's right they were shooting during COVID and then on top of that Um, just the James Gunn of it all. We, we know that this movie was not going to be part of James Gunn's DCU. So in some eyes, why am I going to watch this movie? Why do I care if it's not going to lead to anything? It also
1: wasn't that great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it didn't, it didn't help that it wasn't that great. And you can see in the marketing that they were pushing this movie. They were calling it amazing. They were calling
1: it great. Um, James Gunn. Earlier, said it. I like, was like, "You lied, yeah, James. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> lied, sir. <laughs> that movie was not great. Liar. Lied, lied, all lies. Um, like it. There it, were some charming aspects of it. I mean, you know, it would. It, the thing is, I th- well, what the appeal is, is that it did have is that it had lots of fan service. I mean. The problem is, the, like, and then the CGI. And then we get reports from the VFX artists who worked on the film posting saying that if the CGI and the flash looks like it took a week, that's because it probably did. Or, like, it looks like it was made yeah. overnight. It's because it probably was. So, it's like, well, that's, that's not great. Like, that's not great things to come out about your film. And especially when, without being told, audiences are clearly like, mm, well... <laughs> I kind of feel like I've seen better than that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, Ernesto, you might kind of cut out there um, a little bit. I just want to just let you know. Just if you switch it, if you can switch it back to the other one. Oh,
1: did my mic switch on you again?
0: Yeah, it did switch on me. We're gonna we're gonna do some inside baseball here because I, I don't want to stop the show because we're having a great conversation and I just want you to switch it back
1: <laughs> so see. I can hear you clearly. Oh, let's see. Can you hear me now?
0: There we can go. Can you hear me now? There it is, the beautiful voice of yours. Oh actually, um, you know,
1: side note, somebody told me that I, on headsets that I have the voice of smooth jazz. It's like listening to <laughs> headsets, it's like listening to smooth jazz. I was like, uh, thank thank you. Am I putting you to sleep? Shit, I'm sorry. Like <laughs> <laughs> and actually I realized I don't have the light
0: on
1: and now you know, we love some Kenny G. We'll be talking about him later. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> For the sweet sounds of box
0: office ventures.
1: <laughs> um anyway, back to the back box. to the Flash. Um yeah, not not so sweet. Not so sweet, um, not a great movie. Like just
0: Yeah, I I think a lot again, a lot was riding against this movie. I remember early talk saying that this was going to, you know, reinvent the, you know, the DC universe, it's very similar to black Adam and those like <laughs> early remarks, um, I, it would also like, yeah, I know. Right. James Gunn was heavily promoting the movie as, as you know, as being like a great uh, story at the very least. Uh, but again, things that are going against it, Ezra Miller was not, you know, doing any favors to this movie. The fact that James Gunn was basically resetting it after these next set of movies. So what's the point? And also, Word got out that this wasn't a great movie. And I think all of that kind of culminated to be like, you know what, I really don't care to watch this movie. I don't have any drive to go watch it. And it shows in the opening. I remember that the projected at one point was $120 million. It was supposed to be a a breakout hit. And then and then slowly, I think the, the people who are making these projections started realizing that wait a minute, the the interest is going down and then they landed on 70 and then it went 15 under that. Mm. that that's 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 crazy. And the fact that you look at the budget of 220 and then you see the incredibly low amount, 268.5 million dollars, it, it didn't it barely crossed the budget line. Not even close to being a site, a six, a financial success. And as
1: far as the breakdown, like internationally, it made more. Fifty nine percent of its gross was international, and forty percent was domestically. So it's like wow. not even people here were, were thrilled to go see it to go see their superhero, yeah. our superhero, the Flash, more than they
0: were internationally. Yeah. Um, I can't say it, you know, and then also it, it the fact that this wasn't a great movie. It, I mean, it wasn't my favorite movie of the summer by far. So it, it just it just shows. It, and yeah. it, it
1: hurts because, like, you know, this was Michael Keaton's return to Batman. Right. And like, yeah, like this is this is what happens to his. this is what now hopefully that that's not, you know, what everybody is going to associate with his legacy as Batman because of what he what he did for us. You know what he what he gave to comic book movies, what he, what he, what he's did mm-hmm. for the genre and just like all nerd shit, regardless, like this shouldn't diminish right. in it, diminish it. I just hope. I mean, it's not great. I mean, he was his, his stuff was fun. I mean, you can listen to our review about it. I don't want to, I yeah. don't want to get, I don't want to start on that again. Cause I'm just going to get upset. I,
0: <laughs> I, I do. I do. I do feel like this is most likely the last time we're going to see Ezra Miller as the flash We're probably not going to see Michael Keaton return as Batman unless Michael – unless James Gunn has a deep plan of playing with the multiverse. But as for now, it feels like that we are done with the Flash for the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's move on to – Disney Pixar's Elemental. And before I talk about it, I think this is a great time as a midway point that you should head over to our social media channels and our on our YouTube page at Box Office Bingers so you can see our lovely faces and these lovely graphics uh, <laughs> that we have prepared for all of you to see uh, for this. And also, this would be on our social media channels as well once we're done talking about it, once these episodes are up. But for now, you can see these lovely uh, images that we have put up here and also our faces and also if you're not already go follow us on our youtube page at box office bingers the ad's over and now we're going to (laughs) talk about disney pixar's (laughs) elemental (laughs) um with a budget of 200 million dollars it was projected to open to 40 million it it came under and uh made 29.6 million dollars i think it's also worth noting that this came out the same weekend as the flash Mm. and um this was also the first movie that we were talking about that did not open at number one elemento opened at number two under flash as we just talked about flash opened with 55 million that week uh elemento opened with 29.6 million so really under that but surprise surprise apparently When you have a great movie, you have great word of mouth, great animation. It's still in theaters right now if you want to watch it. And right now, it's worldwide gross is $269.7 million. If you would have asked us back in June that you see a $29.6 million opening under a $200 million budget, this movie is an absolute flop. And Pixar has some, some rediscovering they need to do. But then all of a sudden, the power of Pixar. Look at that four hundred and sixty-nine million yeah. worldwide.
1: I was going to say That's four sixty-nine. Four. Yeah, did I did I say it said, wrong? The first time? You said two sixty-nine, but I think you. Oh, but yes, I think you yeah. meant four sixty-nine. But I was then I had to go look to make sure. I was like, well, the which one did you mean? That you. It's four. It's four sixty-nine. <laughs> four
0: sixty-nine. Um, but yeah, to me, this is the success story of the summer for Elemental.
1: Yeah, I I mean I agree. This movie was surprisingly good. Like, like we yeah. like me when we took the kids to go see it. We we're like, I I am blown away. Like I didn't I did not expect this movie to be like. Literally, I remember when we reviewed it. it we were kind of like we it was like well we'll do a double review. Like we'll see if we have time to fit it. It was was it, it was that one and uh, I think the next one and then the next one we're gonna talk about. Too. No, we, no,
0: it was um we we paired it with our foreign film. It was uh,
1: Spirited Away. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Um, but it was great. It was it was an ama- it was an amazing film. This is another one. Uh, three hundred and twenty five uh, million internationally, one hundred and fifty three domestically. Um, wow. So, uh, what what percentage is that internationally? Uh, sixty-eight percent, sixty-eight internationally, thirty-two percent domestically.
0: So, really, international market really kind of leaned into this movie. It kind of saved it from being a box office flop. Not no help to the U.S. here. Uh, And I think that, that,
1: and it looks like that number went up a little bit because the total worldwide number now is up to it's up to four seventy-eight. But that's like you said earlier, like the movie is still in theaters, which is great. I'm glad to see that it's getting its love, and it looks like it's already made its money back. So. I yeah, mean, I'm and, here for it.
0: I think we're close to that two and a half mark. I feel like what's it four hundred? So that would, it would need to be at least four fifty. Six hundred? Four fifty? To, to make yeah. two
1: and a half, it has to be uh, four fifty. Yeah,
0: yeah. you're right. Yeah. So it def. So now we're in the profit margins. It's making a profit now. Yeah. Um. And I, I feel like that's something that they probably earlier on expected not to be getting. So, and also it's it's great to see that because this movie was great and Pixar's had a rough. Couple of years with you know the Disney Plus of it all and releasing their movies on Disney Plus and then when Lightyear came out it was like a hundred million dollar loss for them so Pixar needed a win mm. it very much needed a win and I'm happy to see that that win came from also a great movie agreed um, agreed I, yes. I,
1: once again I loved it 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 kind of fit it's a above Super Mario but in the realm I think it's meant for a wide, uh, a, a, like, an everyone audience. Like, yeah, my daughter, absolutely. like, as young as my daughter, and then me, like, all the way up to me and my wife. Love the movie. Like, all the kids love yeah. it. Yeah. And it, and so bright.
0: It's so colorful. Just very similar to Mario in that sense. But the animation was just a little bit unique that makes it stand out above the rest. We got some, we got um, some
1: heavy hitters from uh, Best Animated Feature next year.
0: Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Like, between elemental spider-verse mario turtles like it's all there it we, we got it this it's year. gonna be
1: rough when there's still more we yeah. still have wish and we still have wish coming out later disney's wish coming out later this year like, very true and
0: also uh, maybe other movies that we don't we're not even you know thinking about right now and internationally that could kind of sneak its way in there very true. we also have that movie from um uh man the guy who did Spirited Away, he has a movie that's been getting a lot of – the one that had, like, no trailers and everything. Oh, his new one. I think it's one. called, like – his new movie. Yeah, I forgot what it was called. It. Um, but he's coming out with a new movie, and a lot of people are saying that has early contentions at the box office as well. I'm sorry, at, at the Oscars as well. So, so yeah. Hayo so, Miyazaki. Hayao Miyazaki, that's right. Um, and what's the movie? Did you get the? No. <laughs> no, oh, sorry. I thought I, th- I thought you looked up. I, I
1: was I was trying to get. Uh, how How do you live?
0: How do you live? That's right. Okay. Yeah, that one's getting a lot of attention right now, uh, because of the nature of the marketing, as well as I think, uh, people are saying it was good for the people who did see it. Um, it's not on U.S. markets yet, but when it does, i very much look forward to watching it. Absolutely. Um. So yeah. So Elemental, great. It's a box office success story. Um, we're gonna be transitioning to uh, well, <laughs> that's why I wanted you to do this one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Indiana Jones: The Dial of Destiny, another Disney-owned uh, property under Lucasfilm. A budget of three hundred million dollars. A lot of that went to the de aging um, technology that you know Harrison Ford went through, and a lot of de aging scenes I was in this movie. It was projected to open with sixty five million dollars. It came in under opening at sixty point three million. It had a worldwide gross of eight uh, three hundred and eighty one million dollars. Again, under the budget of three hundred million dollars, I think it's it's safe to say it's a flop.
1: Uh, it's a safe gar- to say that guaranteed fl- flop.
0: It's a hard hard flop. Hard flop. Hard flop. And I feel like in a way it wouldn't have been. If I think had this has everything to do with two things. One, negative word of mouth. They opened this movie at a festival that I don't remember, either the Cannes Film Festival, um, one of the film festival this movie opened with, and people kind of shit on the movie. And I think they were looking to like premiere this movie at the festival to get early positive buzz, and then all of a sudden people are like, oh no, Cannes, oh no, this is Cannes Film Festival, and I remember reading early reviews are like. Guys, this is not the Indiana Jones I remember. Um, and then we saw it, and we we're like, it had its moments, but it just, it, it wasn't the resounding send off I wanted Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones to have. And with that, I'm maybe the negative buzz was what kind of deterred people away from watching the movie. I don't know, or maybe people don't care about Indiana Jones anymore. Maybe they were like Harrison Ford, old man Indy, come on, guys.
1: He's he's too old for this. And he did Logan, and you think about what he did for Logan, and you're like, "Damn, he's gonna do that for Indiana Jones." What a what a baller way to send him away, send him off. And right. then we didn't get that, and that, that's <laughs> not what we got. <laughs> Ernest, you gotta switch
0: your mic over again. It cut out on you again.
1: I think it's only for what you hear on Skype.
0: Oh, really? Yes,
1: I, I believe so. But I'm gonna switch it so you can
0: listen to my voice yeah i i prefer to hear the the polished version yeah
1: is that better do you like
0: that that's way better yeah there it is is. that do you like (laughs) are you not entertained are you not entertained (laughs) um um yeah i feel like in in many ways indiana jones and the Dollar of destiny was a disappointment because to your credit you had james mangold director behind logan he's done it before just do it again with indiana jones and it just didn't do it and i guess people didn't care um, i feel like this would have been a success story if the budget was cut in half to like 150 mm. or even 200 to make a small profit but yeah not um it made it barely made, made back its budget yeah like i think i think it's it, the biggest enemy here is how
1: much money they spent on this movie and I and this is a it's kind of interesting. I'm I'm starting to see a trend. It seems like the just movies in general were better across the globe than they were here in U.S. Like mm-hmm. you know, forty five percent it made forty five percent domestically and fifty four percent internationally. Uh, yeah. Well, wasn't it also wasn't yeah. that great?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think again the I think if it was better kind of like even going back to like Guardians. I feel like if anyone was like wishing washy about whether I'm going to go see Guardians or not, you know, it had a great positive buzz. And then, you know, you have an $800 million worldwide gross. So this one has a great franchise potential and it just didn't make the same. It's to me a little bit of a mystery why people didn't come out to see this movie, but for the reasons we just explained, that could contribute to it. Um, Also, when even you're looking at opening weekend, 60 million under a $300 million dollar budget. That's not good projections. Mm -mm. That's that's not good projections at all. Um but yeah. And moving on to the next one.
1: We'll move on to the next one, which is this next one, neither me or Matt has seen, so we're just kinda we're gonna kind of read it. And it's it's in Insidious, the Red Door, the horror film. Um it budgeted at 16 million, it projected uh, thirty million for opening, which is that's kind of like, oh yeah, you plan to make more than what you what it took to make, okay. But they did. Their opening weekend, they made thirty three million, and total worldwide gross of one hundred eighty eight million. But these movies, like especially this franchise, Sidious does really well. Um, I've watched the first one; um, they're they're mm-hmm. pretty good, but they're pretty they're pretty they're pretty scary. So
0: yeah. And I feel like the Red, you know, Insidious, the Red Door had a lot going for it. One, the fact that it was a horror movie and it always has a following. It's the only horror movie that pretty much came out this summer that we're talking about. I know the Boogeyman, but that wasn't a big one. And Talk to Me came out a little bit later. And um, and so, like, there are a few horror movies trickling in the summer. But Insidious has, you know, brand recognition. A lot of people like the franchise. So it has that going for it. Um and the fact that the budget is so low, most horror movies budget is really low. So the fact that it was able to double its amount, opening weekend alone is already a hit. And the fact that it made 188 million dollars worldwide, I mean, yeah, holy shit! Let's, let's do that.
1: Let's do that <laughs> math. 188 divided by 16, it made over 11 times its budget. That's great. <laughs> oh my god! I think again, it's an
0: understatement to say this movie is financially a success.
1: Safe to say, they're probably gonna make some more. <laughs> yeah,
0: and they've already I think there's like number 5 already. See, but you so. know what
1: these movies they 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 know how to captivate their audience. And look, they can they could easily they could have easily like, whoa, we could make this movie for like 60 million dollars." Like they could try to yeah. up the budget, but it seems like you don't necessarily need a large budget to tell a great story. Absolutely. And I, and think, I think that's is- particularly true with the next film we're going to talk about, which is oh. Sorry, my button got stuck. Um, <laughs> Sound of Freedom. So it was budgeted. It only took $14.5 million to make. Projected opening was $18 million. It actually made $19.6 million, And so far, it has made $181.9 million. So it's made over 10 times its budget. And what's crazy about this movie is that it... I mean, it's a true story. It's very, it's very dark. It's, um, but it was a great, it was a great movie. Like I was crying in the, in the theater. Like it was really, really well done. Um, what's crazy is that it was made in 2018 and that it took five years to get this mm-hmm. movie distributed. Um, uh, but it's a great movie. It tells, wow. a it tells a great story. It brings awareness to a horrific situation that's happening in our world where, you know, kids are being trafficked for sex and as slaves. Like it's, it's disgusting. It's like, a, I think in the movie, it says it's like a $2 billion in enterprise for selling children. It's pretty gross. Um, wow. And the movie does wow. a really, and the movie does a really great job at highlighting the severity of the issue through this true story. It, you know, it's about this government agent who, um, who leaves, who like leaves the government. He leaves the story as a government. He turns into like this vigilante to try to save this, um this brother and the sister across mm-hmm. the border. And it's kind of like his journey, like working with getting some of these offenders off the street through the government. And that when he's faced with this situation, you know, he decides that he's going to take matters into his own hands and, he, he did what he did it's a it's a, it's a really powerful film. I, I highly highly and it's still playing in theaters actually it's still playing in theaters yeah right it now. is um, I highly recommend you go see it if you can If you can see it, I would recommend to go see it. it's a it's a great film that has a great that has a, a great message.
0: And I think all of that what you said and the fact that it has a great message behind it and also some self awareness I think a lot of people will kind of again positive word of mouth around this movie, had people buzzing about it earlier on and the fact that it even made more than what its budget was in opening weekend that got some eyes on it and then all of a sudden you're like wait this is number two and number two and number three in the box office what, what is this movie i never heard of it and it kind of resonate with all these people and because of its positive message and self-awareness 181 million 181.9 million dollars worldwide is and it's an incredible figure given how low the budget was and how kind of like the movies like this, there was probably zero marketing in this movie whatsoever. Cause again, I never heard of it until it came out in the theaters and all of a sudden, and also this is also like, uh, I believe like a Christian movie as well. So, you know, don't, don't knock on that audience yeah. because they will show up if, if it's worth it, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, this is again, another one of those um, summer success stories. Look forward to watching this movie. Pretty much everything you were talking about i'll probably wait to see it when it comes home but i i you know you you sold me on watching this movie
1: and and it is made by because um, it's produced by angel studios which is like a like a religious production company but there's mm-hmm. like if for people who are like adverse to watching stuff like that because they feel like they're gonna get preached to like there is there's right there's at least from what I remember, there's like literally none of that in this movie. It's just about this story. But because I do there's sometimes those movies just like it's like very, very cringily trying to push their ideology. Yeah. Like they're like if you're worried about that, I would say don't worry because there's really none of the at least for me there was none of that in this movie.
0: I, I think they're we're trying to push a, a better
1: message out there. Absolutely.
0: Like like, like yeah, like one that is like, you know what, this is this is this story is very important that we need to tell. Him. And and we wanna we want to, we want to yeah, tell. The tagline
1: for the movie is perfect. It says God it says God's children are not for sale. It's like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I get like regardless
1: if you're religious or not, that I understand what you're trying to say. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, and you should agree with that message. Like <laughs> <laughs> no matter no matter who you follow, that's the message we can all agree. Yeah, on. it's a message we can all agree on. <laughs> All right, Matt, you got the next one? Right.
0: Yeah, I got one. Uh, moving on to Deadpool Dead Reckoning Part 1. With a huge budget of $291 million, primarily due to the, to, to the pandemic, uh, Tom Cruise famously is known for filming this movie, like one of the only movies in production during the height of the pandemic, and he was very strict on his rules, and I believe he bought out like a boat or like a cruise ship, so his... Uh, crew can overnight there to stay on site for filming of this movie. He was really, really strict on it, and but also that came with a high price tag of two hundred ninety-one million dollars. It was had a low projected of sixty million opening weekend, fifty-four point six million, not great. It came in under what it was projected. It did, however, get a worldwide gross of five hundred and sixty-one, five hundred and sixty. So we are on the like the we are definitely on the plus side of things. It's definitely making money, but I'm sure not as much as they would have hoped that Mission Impossible was, especially with a lot that was on the positive side of Tom Cruise last year with Top Gun Maverick. I think a lot of I think the studio is banking on the fact that Tom Cruise is obviously a Hollywood movie star, and if people showed up for for Top Gun Maverick they're going to show up for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 and also it's a viable franchise so Mission Impossible always puts out with this spectacular stunts and so I think it was expecting a bigger turnout and I think what we were going to you know talk about in a a minute is one of the reasons why I think it didn't make as much money is because everyone was holding out for Barbenheimer uh, and that hype it was getting and so I feel like that not only that mission possible only had 10 days in IMAX because Christopher Nolan took all the IMAX screens following that, um, with Oppenheimer, I think it missed out on IMAX sales. It, it kind of like, it kind of Mm. fell on the, because everyone was like, Oh, I'm not going to go out like, "Oh, Oh, Tom Cruise. No, I saw him last year. I'm, we're all prepping for Barbie and Oppenheimer and that, 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 you know, the movie theater event. And I think, Nothing against the movie because I, I enjoyed Mission Impossible, that reckoning part one. But I think for those reasons, it kind of fell on the wayside and it just didn't make as much as they were hoping for. And, you know, a 60 million dollar projected opening under two hundred ninety one million dollar budget is not. But it did. It, it looks like it's making a profit here.
1: Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's it, two ninety one. It made five sixty. It's only one point nine of its budget. So it's not even. It's oh, really? Not even so there yet. in order to make two and a half, it's not, times, It would have to make seven hundred and twenty-seven million dollars to make two and a half times this budget. Yeah, I don't. That's
0: not I don't happening. see that happening.
1: And this is another one that mm-hmm. made more internationally, sixty-nine percent internationally, and thirty percent here domestically. Just didn't. It just okay. didn't do well. And I think you I think you made a really good point that. Um, it was fighting Barbie and Oppenheimer. Like there was no way. There's no yeah. way anything was gonna compete. Also, this movie had a runtime of two hours and 43 minutes. For a part one of a That's story, a like point. why? Like this movie, because <laughs> like easily could have been two hours. But however, I did as and I mentioned earlier, as like as a part one, part two, like I really I actually really enjoyed it. Because it gave me a part one yeah. gives you a complete story. It's just long as fuck. But that
0: being said. Yeah, with with a long runtime of two hours and forty five minutes, it should be part one and part yeah, two. Yeah, exactly. I mean, should be it. Like, <laughs> I mean, you made <laughs> you made a really good point with the long runtime. I feel like maybe a lot of people are like, almost three hours. No, thank you. I'm already strapping in for another three hour movie next week. I'm not gonna do that for Mission Impossible. Absolutely. So. Um, so yeah I think this a lot of things just kind of worked against it and had nothing to do with the movie itself had everything to do with the way that it was being released and I've said this in previous episodes that Mission Impossible would have benefited if it just would have delayed it if they would have delayed it to August or even like right now
1: Labor Day Great. it would have killed it Labor Day opening it right now what else because yeah. there was nothing really else opening this like, weekend the, the the Equalizer
0: opened the, for Labor Day weekend. Mm, you're right. Equalizer yeah. three. So like, so yeah, Denzel took you know took Labor Day, but um, yeah, Tom Cruise could have easily taken it. Like even like mid August, there was not a lot of big blockbusters that came out in August. It it could have easily swept, um, but it it held tied to its guns, and I, I think it's paying the price for it. Um, but with that, we're gonna move on to probably one of the biggest movies of the summer, Barbie. With a budget of 145 million dollars, it was actually it was the, the the talks where the budget was at 100 million, but I think as the movie was coming out, the real number started to show, and it was 145 million. Maybe it was for all the pink that mm-hmm. they used, or maybe how much of the marketing they maybe spent a lot more on marketing because they figured because of Barbenheimer. They're like, hey, let's continue marking this movie. People seem like they're going to watch it. Let's invest more into it. Um, it was projected with all of the Barbenheimer talk. It was projected to make $93 million. It exceeded that projection by $70 million, which is crazy. It opened with $162 million. Currently, right now, it's the highest-grossing movie of 2023, both domestically and internationally, with a whopping 1.38 billion, with a B. Barbie does not B does not stand for Barbie anymore. It stands for billions,
1: because <laughs> that's how much money. It is. That's how money it's made. I mean, and I mean the marketing for this movie, um, everything behind what the event that they created for that weekend of going yeah. to the movies all helped for them to reach that number and obviously the movie's doing well it's still in the theaters it's still going to continue to see i think we're going to still continue to see that success um but Mm -hmm. it but and you know i know it was like barbie versus oppenheimer but you can almost can't really like they compare but they also don't compare um you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's too, it is, yeah, it, it is r- men. It really does. Like, I know they pitched it for everybody to go see both, but there was a clear audience that was going to sit. They're like, well, I'm going to, I want to just go have fun. So I'm going to go see Barbie. Like, yeah. well, do you want to go sit and learn about the atomic bomb for three hours? But like, don't get me wrong. I love, I love Oppenheimer, but I understand that that is a, a movie that's not for everybody. Um, but before we right. kind of, before I kind of say any more about Oppenheimer, like, Barbie, um, 44% was made here domestically and seven 55% internationally, which I thought was kind of surprising. I thought that wow. the more of the draw yeah. with, with how all the hype, I thought more of the draw would be here, but I think that kind of just cascades to a bigger, broader thing that maybe movies do better internationally than they do here. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it is, it is kind of interesting. I mean,
0: also, I think what's also working for Barbie is the fact of obviously Barbenheimer, but also just Barbie, the name itself. Like a lot of people, you know, you can easily have made a Barbie movie for kids, which is what they're intended for, the doll itself. Yeah. But they went a, a completely unique and different approach. Getter Gerwig took this movie and, and, you know, made it her own. And I think a lot of people resonated with that creativity for the story. And then the fact that it just it turned into an event and, you know, also Marby and uh, Ryan Gosling was perfect as Ken. So I think, a lot of, like, I think a lot of like, it was just all around, like it was the point of a successful movie um, when it comes to great casting, great story, great production design. The director we knew her vision and wanted to put it out there. And um, yeah, I think there's a lot of, you know, you, there's a clear path of how this movie became successful. We just named a few of them, but I mean billion dollars there's no movie this year that's going to top Barbie. I I'm I'm pretty much guaranteeing. Oh I
1: I agree. And then you know when we go to Oppenheimer, we're looking at a budget of 100 million. Uh projected opening was 43 million. 80 opening weekend was 82 million. A lot of it has I think a lot of it has to do with all as we kind of mentioned the marketing behind barbie and oppenheimer worldwide um 852 million um it was a great movie a fantastic movie it's three hours long and it's three hours of all talking of straight talking there but there's just the intentional use of sound the when not to use sound and kind of really bringing us into the head of oppenheimer i think where is where the movie shined um it was it was fantastic. I I mean that's a three hour movie that I would one hundred percent sit through again. And I did, and you did. I didn't get a chance <laughs> I to. I, it I wanted, a I to. I wanted I yeah. wanted to see the seventy millimeter cut.
0: Yeah, and and obviously the Barbenheimer of it all definitely you know help ignite this movie to be successful but take barbie outside of it there are a lot of other reasons why this movie was financially successful one of which was that the budget was a hundred million dollars a lot of these other movies we've talked about the budget has been over 200 like these extra, it's crazy amounts of money a Nick, christopher nolan kept it at hundred million dollars primarily like you said before it's three hours of people talking Also, the use of practical effects. So there weren't a lot of visual effects that need to go into this. Also, so the fact that the budget was low was a huge huge success story to that. The fact that the biggest thing about this movie was you got to go watch it in IMAX. So a lot of people drove to see it in an IMAX showing. I saw this movie twice in IMAX because Christopher Nolan said that to watch this movie in IMAX and use all IMAX cameras. And like it was not always just like a, a movie theater event. We have to go see this movie. Oppenheimer was more, you have to see this movie in IMAX. And it resonated with people who respected the movie theater experience and the craft of the filmmaking and the cinematography of it all. And they're like, okay, we must see this movie in IMAX. I think a lot of that contributes to the, the monster worldwide gross of eight hundred and fifty-two point nine million dollars, and it it made eight times its budget, eight times its budget, like on a three-hour movie I'm talking, uh, for uh, people talking, and the fact is just Christopher Nolan. He also brings in his own crowd in and of itself. It beat out the, I think this is his biggest movie that's not a Batman film because I think I think the Dark Knights in the billion-dollar range yeah. that Barbie just beat. Yeah so so yeah so needless to say like there is a lot more than just barbenheimer to uh, contribute to oppenheimer's success it barbenheimer definitely helped but the fact that it was projected to make 43 million because it was going up against barbie and even though it didn't hit number one in the box office it doubled the projection so i mean
1: you can't, can't be, be mad, mad at that. that i mean that movie there was just pink and black everywhere that theater that that weekend <laughs> absolutely <sighs> I'll let you take the next one. (laughs) The next movie is,
0: again, (laughs) I think a lot of the next movie is Haunted Mansion. And over again, we're talking about a Disney movie and we're talking about a Disney flop. Um, The fact that this movie was the next weekend after Barbenheimer was not the best choice for this. It was had a budget of $150 million. It was projected to open with $30 million. It ended up opening $24 million, less than what was projected. Currently, it has a worldwide gross of $100 million, not even close, $50 million off its budget. It opened less than the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion movie. Um, and I think one of its Two biggest things about the movie that I feel like hindrance on on its box office success. One, the timing of its release for one of the biggest movie theater events of the summer of Barbenheimer. People who missed it the first week are going to go back and watch it again the second week. And um, yeah, like Haunted Mansion, very similar to Mission Impossible, was just caught in the wings of all that. And like just... Kind of just shoved aside as like, why am I gonna go watch a movie about a Honda mansion when I can go see Barbie or Oppenheimer? Forget that. They should have, they should have um, released this then,
1: movie like in October, like during Halloween.
0: And that's the second one. It was it was a bad release date, regardless. Mm. They were trying to pitch this as a summer movie. This is Cobra, late September, early October movie to go watch while it's spooky time.
1: And it would have, you know what? It would have done. I felt like it would have done so much better, but. It, Like we've kinda talked about there's been so many great movies this summer that it was kind of just lost in the mix. I mean it also didn't help that it wasn't I didn't really care for it. Like it was it was kinda like it was kinda like whatever to me. It was very much fan it was very much a fan service it was very much a fan service type of film.
0: Yeah, and it was and it was fine and I and I enjoyed it, but it just didn't it just didn't hit. Like no one wanted to see this movie. Mm -hmm. It's very clear. Yeah. Nobody wanted to see it. Uh, and also, just kind of hindrance on <clears throat> Disney's flop. That's now, you know, it didn't really hit it with uh, it didn't really hit it with with Little Mermaid as much of a profit they wanted. They had a huge loss for uh, Indiana Jones, and now they took another hit with Haunted Mansion. Like, I think I think Disney's hoping for a huge hit with Wish because which I, <laughs> I kind of have hopes uh,
1: for I, th- I hope that it seems. I hope that it will yeah. do well. See, I have high hopes for it. Yeah, moving on. Two. Cool. Uh you can take this one <laughs> This one's yours, but it's fine. I'll take it. Okay. No, fine. no, it's fine. Because right. I know you just want to do the next one. That's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, so the next one we got is Meg to the trench. Budget, one hundred and twenty nine million. Uh projected opening was thirty million. Opening weekend it made it, made thirty million. Um and then worldwide made three seventy five. So I don't think I don't I'm not you know once again not great at math but I don't think that it made it it's two and a half. Let's see it's close though Let's see 129 times 2.5 this three actually no I did I'm 322 let me do that again 129 <laughs> times 2.5 I'm so, I'm so smart yeah so I did it made it made its money like 300 and, uh, 322 is its two and a half um, two and
0: Um I, I think majority of that it was just crazy because if it was projected to make 30 it made 30 and You know, it's a big monster movie and like you said before it tailors to an international market and clearly they showed up for it because This movie is a financial hit and it's only out for for a few weeks and uh, to me this is surprising because like I was like ah the Meg two it'll, you know it'll be fine but now it's making like a huge profit yeah
1: they're obviously gonna make another one and it was you know it was fine I know you didn't really care for it it was yeah. I mean it was campy yeah. as all hell of course absolutely but mm-hmm. I was here for it
0: yeah um but yeah I mean to me this is another surprise hit for like a financial success yeah I, so, didn't, I had so, no yeah, ex- so I had no
1: expectations walking into this movie and I was so I, I was like pleasantly same, surprised. Same yeah um
0: but yeah so yeah it's making money moving on to teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem with a budget of 70 million dollars it was projected to open with 30 million dollars um it opened uh, a little under that with 28 million dollars but it's doing fine at worldwide gross of 152.8 million dollars it had a low budget compared to other movies we've talked um on this recap 70 million is a good number for an animated movie and the fact that it didn't open great it opened at number four so it's not great but also we're still on the high of barbenheimer right now barbie's still number one and and oppenheimer is still like in the two and three range so again uphill battle for turtles but i think people showed up for it and it was a great another great family kids movie for for people to who kind of like had already seen Elemental and now they can go watch Turtles and take their kids to go watch him and um yeah I mean this movie was great it it made me like the turtles it was again fantastic. um with a great story it was yeah it was it was animation
1: amazing. was amazing like the voice acting was on point like Ice Cube was a surprise of how great he was like I was I was here for it I was here for it
0: yeah and the fact that right now we're we're this movie's still in theaters, so it's slowly climbing up in the worldwide gross. It already made double the amount of its of its budget. So so with that, you know, I think it's on the way to at least making a small hope, profit. I'm at the hoping very least. so.
1: Yeah. So then we got Blue Beetle, budget 104 million, and a projected opening was 30 million. Uh, opening weekend it made 25 worldwide gro- worldwide gross was 101 million um this was a fantastic movie um it's kind of right there though it's kind of hasn't even made has not made its budget yet so that's a little but I think what we're two weeks in yeah about three I think we're entering our third week now yeah release date was uh, August 16th so we're coming up with, we're coming up on the third week.
0: Yeah. And so like as we get closer to the movies that are are, like still fresh, like these numbers aren't obviously concrete, especially with the worldwide gross. So it's almost reached its budget, which I think that's more than The Flash can say. True. Very true. (laughs) And that's more than that's more than Shazam can say on it as well. So I think there was a little bit more intrigue with this movie than there was with um, with The Flash, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think there was expecting this movie to be a key is suffering from the fact that we weren't really sure what's happening with DC right now. And, um, and so this is kind of faltering in that a, a little bit, but I think positive word of mouth is getting around on this movie. And, uh, I think people are slowly watching it. And I think, again, I think it's on its way of, it's hard to tell because right now it's going to make back. It's budget, but it's not. I don't think it's going to hit the 2.5 that it that it needs to be. Yeah,
1: successful. kind financially. We're kind of late into the summer now. It'll be hard for. I think it'll be hard for it to, to get that to get that number. So we got we got two more left, but I'm gonna flip them just so we can end with our the one where they're We're gonna do the review on. So instead, of, fair enough. So fair as enough. far as release date, Gran Turismo would be before Equalizer Three, but. Just for the sake of conversation, we're going to do Equalizer three next. Uh, budget was seventy million. <clears throat> Projected opening was thirty million. Opening weekend made thirty four point six million, and it's already made sixty eight point three. It's when did with this, and that's just it, that's it. Releasing Labor Day weekend, so I think it's well on its way to do very well. Um, I actually, I really enjoy yep. the Equalizer series, and what's particularly interesting about this one is that this is the first time. Dakota Fanning and Denzel Washington have been together since Man on Fire. And if you haven't seen Man on Fire, it's mm-hmm. probably one of Denzel's best films. Like, it's an incredible, like, the both of them are incredible in that movie. That is an incredible, that's, to me, that's one of my favorite movies from him.
0: Yeah, and I, and I stand by that too. I mean, Den- well, first of all, excuse me, the Equalizer franchise have been, is one of the, I think it's one of the only sequels Denzel's actually come back for. Like all his other movies are standalones, mm. so he, him, and the director has a really good bond. They did Training Day mm. together. Um, I think Antoine it's Antoine Fuqua. Antoine yeah. Fuqua is the director. Yeah, director. Um, and so he did Training Day with him. He did the the Magnificent Seven, and then then he, I think this is his fifth movie now. With the Equalizer one, two, and now three, so I believe I was looking at some of the numbers, and Equalizer one and two also opened around a thirty million dollar range, so it's on par from its, you know, from the first movie and the second movie, um, both of which made profits in and of itself. Um, I think this also speaks to Denzel having um, a lot of star power. Um, A few actors can say a lot of, uh, there's a few actors out there that just say, hey, I'm in a movie, come watch me, and then people will do so. I mean, and Denzel's is such a great actor. Um, I'm like a love hate with the Equalizer franchise. I like the second one. I didn't really care for the third one. I am interested in watching the third one.
1: You mean the first? Um, hold on. The, you said uh, you did. You like sec- the second one, but you didn't. Re- or do did you like the first one and not like the second one?
0: I like the first one, not like the second one. Interested in watching the third, just to kind of round out this trilogy. Um, that this is obviously this movie's fresh as a time of recording. You know, we're recording this on September fifth, the day after Labor Day. Um, it did, however, make uh, it's the second best. Uh, what was it? It's the it's the second best opening Labor Day weekend numbers. The first one being Shang-Chi. Mm. so Equalizer Three had the second best opening for a movie to release on Labor Day weekend. So, so yeah, so obviously it's on its way to make back its budget and maybe even hit that you know that two and a half mark to make a to make a a, a financial success here. I think it will, um, but yeah, and also Equalizer Three, you know, it's one of your your generic action packed dramas, like an action packed you know. Um, film uh and uh i think I, I think it's a good way to close out the summer with if you're looking for like you know may to end of august labor day labor day is kind of like the official close of summer for some for some areas and so this was the movie to kind of close it all out um but yeah but before that and kind of also it kind of kind of wrapping up our blockbuster yeah.
1: uh we're like, our go, summer blockbuster recap we're going <laughs> in between so we're gonna we're gonna yes. we're gonna wrap up our blockbuster recap but this will also lead in to our spoiler review of gran turismo so this movie budgeted at 60 million project and it's gran turismo and i really think i'm there it's missing it on the bottom because my movie ticket said it, it says gran turismo based on a true story, <laughs> it's a true story. <laughs> <laughs> and it and it is it is it is based on a on a true story um and w- which was kind of kind of a crazy story so the budget 60 million projected it opening at 15 million opening weekend 17.4 million and so far it's already made 80.9 million dollars so matthew we will go we're gonna switch it up we're gonna go to you what are your thoughts on Gran Turismo Uh,
0: I thought it was everything I I anticipated it was gonna be like it's your it's it's based on a true story it's an underdog story it's it's the movie that I signed up for and it's the movie that I got so therefore I enjoyed it I think it was shot very well I think for me the standout was David Harper David Harper really really excelled in that role of being like this I don't want to say like, ha- yeah, no, he was a has-been. He had its moment and he understood the struggle. And then like the moment kind of got away from him and he had, it. he got an accident and, you know, and that kind of ruined his career. And then, you know, he's been like a has-been ever since. And then this was his moment to kind of, kind of fix the mistakes that he had and therefore um, train somebody else to be a success story. And I think, I think, like for me, I really resonated with him, and I thought he excelled in that. Like he was, for me, what I really liked about it, he was like a, a hard ass, and he was like no bullshits given, and just telling them how it is. And like you think this is all fun and games, this is dangerous. I think that's like, one of the biggest aspects I liked about this movie was the fact how they kept constantly referring to like this isn't playing, this is this is serious stuff. You're you're going on a 200 mile rocket, you know, and this is life or death situations here. And the fact that he kept drilling that into into these kids, like, I think, to me, I was like, yeah, no, this is real. And then for some of the scenes that happened later in the film, like, it really showed the severity of how dangerous the sport is, but also how thrilling it could be as well. And I was 100% locked into this underground story, um, uh, under, underdog story. Um, but, yeah, I really
1: enjoyed it. Ernesto? Uh, I have to say, I really love this movie. (laughs) Like, I liked it uh, way more than I thought I was going to. Uh, I really love how they, like, the opening of the film kind of gives you, like, a history of Gran Turismo. Like, I always thought it was a racing, just like a racing game. But I didn't under, like, it's different when people understand simulator. Like, a simulator is not a video game. They are not the same thing. Like. Like to understand that there's that that there was that much detail to for the gr- the realism for what Gran Turismo want needs to be, or can be or should be like if you buy the except all the equipment that comes with it like then yeah you can I guess it is possible for you to learn to become a racer and I just I, I love that they give the appreciation to the game right at the beginning of the movie and then but they also use that as part of their storytelling like when he's racing and you get to see the overhead where it's like first place second place it's like yeah. it's like oh and then or even just like when you're in the car with him and then sometimes he goes like mentally he's back in his room and just like kind of how the how the game would come into play and how the the road would melt away and like he was using that as part of his his <clears throat> his uh his story but like they the way that they did it they made they just kept referencing in the game the game in a way that made it natural as part of the storytelling for the movie, which I really enjoyed. And you made a good point, like David Harbour. I I think he's a standout. And I think him paired with uh Archie Matic... Maticui? Maticui, mm-hmm. I hope I hope I didn't butcher his name. Um but I think that they paired well together. Something I really I love the end of the movie where we get those couple of end cards about like him racing and every the kind of the side by sides that they had together, like clips of him playing and just kind of like giving us that extra layer of realism. And also I, I, I think the the pit crew who was in the movie was one of the actual pick his actual pit crew. Cause they or mm. maybe it was just shots of the stunt driver with them because also the stunt driver in the movie is the actual racer that yeah. the movie is about, which I thought was a beautiful touch. Like, like that that to me that makes the movie a little bit better because in that ad like so when you're watching him race you are actually watching the real racer like recreate the races of what he did and like just to know that he was so involved with the project to mm-hmm. me just it it just it adds a little bit more weight to the property yeah and also there's one scene
0: that you you made it's like you're looking at the side by side that what I what I saw, what really stood out to me when you were seeing the real life uh, you know footage and photographs was i I looked at it, I was like, oh my God, he looks so young. like he looked yeah. like a baby, like
1: it's a baby strapping you know, it, himself into a rocket.
0: <laughs> yes. And so I was like, oh my god. and I when i when i when I thought that, I remember the line that his father said, Dijman um, Hansu, uh, when they're watching the game at home, and he made the comment saying, Wow, he looks so young. And I wonder if that's something that maybe they spoke to the family about and that that was incorporated into the screenplay because I thought the same thing when I saw his real life photo. And I that was after watching the movie, obviously. But yeah, I was like, No, I understand that 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 why he said that, because in real life, holy shit, he looked he looked really, really young. But but with that, um, yeah, I, I, I do really appreciate that, you know, it did look like that they were involved with the project and it looks like they treated it really well. I saw a couple of, going back to your comment about like you you're getting inside the mind of the gamer and you saw some of the elements that would be in the game, especially when he like when he's trying to focus. He he focuses on mm-hmm. like, you know, doing better and racing and you know, especially when he was invading the police. It at times and I did read this and I feel like maybe 10% of me feels this way and is the fact that it felt like a, a little bit of a gimmick, more of an advertisement Mm. for the game. It felt at at times it felt like we were advertising the game. than we were telling the story. And I can agree with that to an extent because the game is the story. So, so the fact that you, you had those scenes, I don't, I wouldn't, see it as advertisement i would just be like we're this is the approach we are of telling that story because it's important to the story because that's what the story is about he's played it he played a simulator and then he did it in real life you, you can't you can't ignore the fact of the you can't ignore a fact of the game in this story because it's part and of it.
1: obviously we're getting that because that's how he processes it that's how he was that's part right. of his story is how the game helped him become a racer so obviously he w- he will see himself in he's going to visualize himself in the game like to me that just makes sense that just it's thought process wise um so i mean i get that but the name of the movie like you said the name of the movie is called gran turismo so if we do need to get some showcasing for the movie i mean for the game it's for the game itself um and i just i loved how personable it was like you know you get like the side story with him and his dad and also david harbour and like kind of just kind of how it all came together like it was it was just a really well put together movie and like i i went into it thinking i was gonna like it but i just i really i enjoyed it way more than i thought i was going to
0: yeah, and I think, and I, again, I think for me, it kind of just met my expectations. Mm. I, I like a good um, underdog story, and I think it delivered on that. The fact that Neil Blomkamp made this movie, it feels like this is not a movie under his wheelhouse. And I thought he did a really good job taking those those elements of the true story and kind of turning into something of maybe one of my favorite movies from him. Like, I, I don't get me wrong, I enjoyed District 9, Elysium, and Chappie, but they're very much like, Like straight sci fi, um, like different worlds that he was building in those movies. And this one was very much grounded in a very personal story. Um, in a way to not maybe to him, but definitely like a, a story that we can more or less relate to. And especially as us as maybe the target audience, it could be it could be appealing to gamers or it could it be appealing to sports fans as well. It kind of double dips on that. Yeah. And I think going back to the writers, I kind of mentioned this or on the top of the show that I think the the collection of writers are interesting. But it then, then then again, it kind of makes sense. You have Jordan Hill who written American American Sniper. That movie is about the mental state. And like the dangers of being, you know, being in war. And I feel like this movie kind of dealt with the dangers of the sport very, really well. So much so that we saw the crash and how much that impacted him and how much that impacted David Mm. Harbour into kind of canceling his career. I go to Zach Balin and he's directed, he's written for sports movies in the past, King Richard and Creed 3. Like those, both movies are both dramas and have a lot to do with either mentally um, especially with Creed Three, like the mental state of it all. Um, also, just those two movies are great sports movies. Agreed. So the fact that he's able to write those, you know, really well, it knows this into um, uh, into like another great story. Um, Alex, to see, you know, a little bit of a wild card there. You know, he he wrote. Uh, he he got story by credit. So story by means a lot of different things, but it could also mean that maybe he provided an outline but they went in a different direction from his mm. outline so maybe parts of the story that he wanted or he wrote ended up in the movie but the two screenplays are credited to jonah hill and zach Balin. so that may be more sense maybe some jason ideas hill. that he wrote ja- yeah sorry jason hill um so maybe what alex had provided for the story wasn't the main stuff but maybe a few elements uh, in and there um but yeah i think I, I think like I said, I think it met my expectations of what I wanted this movie to be. And, you know, you know, lack of a better term, I was, you know, I was ready to go. I was revved up. I was I was fully invested into the story and kind of just see him succeed and fail and the, the the tribes and tribulation that he was going through to kind of kind of prove it to everybody. A lot was riding on the line. I like David Harbour's like kind of you know, reality check every moment. It was like like even when he got through and one, they're like, they're going to hate you out there. You know, you're going to have to put up a better. They're like, they're not going to like you being out there. You don't belong. You got to prove yeah. them wrong. Um, and it was in a sense of like Rocky, it's more about, at the end of the day, it was about respect and more, less so about winning. Yep. And, but you had, he had to win in order to get, um, uh, get to uh, you know, you had, he had to win in order to, to earn the respect or at least look yes. like he had some balls in, in, in the race and actually, as, as they said, you got to commit to your turns or else something bad could happen. Yeah. Um, what uh, There was one part that I found interesting and I really and I, I feel like this was taken to dramatic effect. I don't know if it was um, actually real or not, but Orlando Bloom's character, even though we were introduced to him and he was the one that was orchestrating it, I feel like I liked his character the least in this movie. I yeah. feel like that
1: he had... The more the time idea, we spent with him, the less I liked him. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. So re- it's that's so true. It's like at the beginning, he's like, I have this great idea and it would be great for Nissan um, to, you know, get the people from the game and put them in real life. It would definitely add to the, you know, th- like some great press. And then he, he was able to, you know, he's crossing names off the list. He was able to get David Harbour um, into the mix. And then there was a scene that was just to me just felt really off was the fact that as a marketing it's kind of like you know you know uh, office people uh, big big board greediness um, like what's best for the company not what's what's fair type of mi- mindset and Orlando Bloom was like hey he won by a fraction of a second mm. when they went to like the final rounds during the the trial period it's like and GTA he' Academy, like yeah yeah at the GTA Academy and he was like yeah he won by a fraction of the second but is this the guy we really want? To represent us, the, like the other guy, I believe his name was Maddie. Um, he he knows his stuff. He's great in front of the camera, and he's just as good. And no bullshits. David Harbor was like, you can go fuck off with all of that, because this yeah, got this guy this won. Guy won. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I feel like for me, that scene was like it felt a little out of place. It felt a little off putting to me. I was like, I was like,
1: oh, okay. Like, I agree with you, and I think that maybe they under and I'm gonna attribute that because he didn't really get a lot of, we didn't really get a lot of his backstory. So maybe his maybe his position was unrepresented. Still what he mm. did was wrong. and I'm right. I'm assuming that he was coming from the perspective of I just like I don't care who wins. I just want. Some, who's going to make this program successful? That's where it kind of seems like he was coming from the aspect of, like, what's going to make this program successful so that we can do more? And if we can do more if I have somebody who's going to be able to go out there and be able to talk and do all these different things. Like, I'm, it's going to be harder. It's going to be more work for me to have to deal with him. But he needs to understand that he won. Like, he... It's not like... It, he kind of won like he won by a fraction of a second but he he was that much better than him so like yeah. if we want him to be respected like we this is who we need to pick because if maddie had gone through those trials we may not even be talking about this movie right now like that guy might have fizzled out who no, know i mean or he may have he may have surpassed them. i mean we don't we don't know but the point is is that like he didn't win that race so he it was not right. his turn <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was just fair. And obviously he looks like he got his moment to shine, uh, when they did the Lamont. So they kind of brought that story back around in in a good fashion as well. Um, another highlight of the movie for me was the fact that when he got injured, when he, you know, under a tragic accident, he ended up killing a spectator. Well, the, the, well, he didn't kill anybody, but the, within the accident, there was the spectator got, you know, died. Because of the the accident that happened, like the freak accident. And I really enjoyed the moments where the movie kind of surprised me because this could have easily just been like just focusing on the driver and that situation. And again, I don't know if this moment actually happened in in real life. I'm assuming it did because I felt like it was a, a pivotal point in the turning point between the act two and act three. Um, but I, to me, that was like one of the other standouts of the movie of like, oh, we're going to take the time to kind of showcase this accident, showcase the dangers of the sport. Is he really supposed to be driving? Like, does he have what it takes? Um, I think this was a good, that was a good moment for the character. And like, like we even saw it too, like when the other driver, when they're at Lamont, like he got into the accident and he kind of freaked out a little bit. And I was like, and he started slowing down, and then he had to remind himself. Was like, no, I got to get back into this. You know, this is this is part of the race. This is this is what makes it thrilling. What makes it, you know, the crashes happen nine out of ten times. You'll get out of it because these cars are built this way, where you can walk out of the car even though it's in flames. Um, But yeah, I I think you know showcasing the kind of like that freak accident and the spectator dying. I think that was a, a pretty big moment for me. Like of like, okay, you know you know what, this movie is doing more than what I expected.
1: And not only did this movie promote like Gran Turismo and kind of what happened to him, but it also made me appreciate and respect racing a little bit more, like really understanding. I felt like I got and even more so than Ford V Ferrari or some of these other racing movies. I felt like I've really got a, a general understanding for just like for this level of racing. And like what it and what what it really takes to be a racer in these scenarios that it's you know like NASCAR like it's more it seemed like this showed me that this is more of just like going fast and making a left turn like really understanding the semantics and some of the little nitty gritty things that go on within the race.
0: I, I think to to your point, I think what this movie did a little bit better than Four V Ferrari I think we, there was a our protagonist, our main lead, we were able to get behind him more and relate to him more because as he was he was representing the average, the average man like this, yeah. is, a, this is a guy who plays video games in his bedroom. And now he's driving the cars and having his dream come true. I think all of us can aspire to follow those dreams and have those opportunities and be like that. That could be anybody out there. And I guess that was a point of the whole thing in the first place. Right. It's like yeah. any, anyone could be driving these cars, even people who played video games in their house. It's like, it's, uh, it's like, it's an underdog story. It's a, um, it's like, uh, what's it called? It's like you, one, 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 in a million opportunities, like your wildest dreams type of scenario, once in a lifetime opportunities, stuff like that. Um, I, th- I think we were able to relate to that story more than we say like Ford v Ferrari in the sense, um, okay. when it comes to that. Um,
1: but yeah, uh, final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts. It, it was great. It, it exceeded to me. It exceeded my expectations. When I, I didn't really like. I kind of had high. I didn't have high expectations, but I, I felt positive going into the film, and it was more so when after walking out like i like i i went through some of the emotions like the race scenes where i felt like i was on the edge of my seat like they were very they were very exciting to watch even in, in in between showcasing some of the video game elements or even some of the live action elements i felt like were really to me it was just all blended well together it may have been a little bit on the long side but i but i was still here for it
0: i think you know you said like you said really i think what what also shined with this movie was the cinematography yes i thought the racing scenes were done really well because sometimes you have some of these movies and you get lost in in either the sport or like i think uh, pertaining to these sports movies a huge factor is how these movies are shot it's for have the audience to follow along with it and i feel like racing you can get lost in it and i think they did a really good job of like making the the racing elements like engaging, but also like I never got lost in the race.. Agreed. I was always engaged with it, and I was always like, I know where the action is, and I know what's going on with this race. I was never confused at one moment with this. so I think I thought that aspect was done really well. and and with that, I thought this was a great movie. again, I think I think it more or less met my expectations and slightly exceeded them as well of what I wanted this movie to be and what I got from it. I think again, standouts were, the cinematography of all. I think the story was told very, really well. Uh, David Harper was great. And I, I think he was a standout in this movie. And um, I think, you know, I think the fact they were able to tell an entertaining story uh, really kind of sets it apart. That going back to, uh, you know, its box office numbers, it didn't, you know, it didn't quite do as great. Opening weekend with $17.4 million. It did open at number one, so it was actually... So it kind of beat Barbie in the sense, yeah, as Barbie's, you know, it's been like a month and a half now for Barbie. So better, I think Blue Beetle was the one to kind of kick Barbie off the number one spot. But then Gran Turismo was next to next to follow. Um, the fact that it was under a 60 million dollar budget, it uh, and right now worldwide, it's making 80.9. I think it's on its way to kind of uh, making a little bit of a profit, given that this movie's only been out for two weeks. Yeah. And uh, the fact that the budget was low is to this movie's benefit to being financially successful. Um, And again, kind of going back to all of the budgets we've been talking about for all these different movies, the fact that you can have a low budget and it turn out a great project, the budget of a movie does not guarantee success. Correct. A good story and great direction and actors and everything else that follows will contribute to its success. And I think, I think, if anything, for us anyway, this was a good movie to close out the summer.
1: I agree. This was a good. This was a great movie to bookend. Like, what a success the summer blockbuster season. This, at least, this twenty twenty three summer blockbuster season was.
0: And, and speaking of success, I I nearly forgot about to say this. Um, for the first time, uh, we were given pre uh, pandemic numbers. The summer blockbuster hits followers domestically. Um, and that has a huge part to Barbie and Oppenheimer, but also all the other great um, movies to come out this summer. But yeah, four billion dollars domestically alone for the summer, for the summer box office. So that's that's pretty good. Um, and those numbers haven't been seen since 2019. So I think that's safe to say that the movies are back, and we have it. Kind of, you know, we were, you know not forced to but we there was a lot of reasons to go back and watch movies this summer and from guardians to gran turismo you know i think we as we talked about in our summer recap we saw a lot of great movies some not so great but um you know it was also just a lot of reasons to go to the theater so that was also that's that was that was really good i I like that um but with that ernesto kind of i want to close out the episode out of all the movies you saw this summer we talked about all all of them re- recapping everything. What was your
1: favorite? Why you gotta put me on the spot, man? You should you gotta warn All me right. before you do shit like that. Alright, let's see. So I'm kind of just going through the list real quick. Yep. Hmm. Uh I'm either gonna go Guardians three. It's I'm gonna give you my top three. How about that? Or no? Yeah, that's I'll take that. Guardians three elemental and Oppenheimer.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Not in,
1: not in not in any I didn't give it to you in any specific order. So that's not that's not your that's not 1 2 or 3. Those are just my top. Those are my top 3.
0: Top top 3 of of the summer was so what was it Guardians?
1: What was it again? Guardians, Oppenheimer and Elemental.
0: Okay. I will it's there's a lot of great movies this summer. I know so it was it, hard. It, it's, it's hard, yeah. And so, but I will say, I'm, I will agree with you with Guardians, and but i and for me, I think it was Guardians, Spider Man across the Spider Verse, and also Elemental. Yeah, we just, yeah, I yeah I agree with you on Elemental. Yeah, and I really like Spider Man too. Um, but yeah, I mean, but also just what a great summer as we recap the summer. Uh, but with that, so tell all the listeners what they well actually before I say that that is our spoiler review of Gran Turismo to cap off our summer blockbuster recap. And also now
1: tell our lovely listeners what they can look forward to next week. Next week we are we're going to the street we're going back to streaming guys we're gonna we're gonna take a break Yeah. In the theaters. <laughs> so next week we are going to be reviewing Netflix's They Clone Tyrone, starring uh, Jan- John Boyega. Jamie Fox. I've heard nothing but great things about this, so uh, I'm really excited to dive into this one. You know, looking forward to watch this. One. Yeah.
0: To to your point, it's been uh, <laughs> it's been a while since we've talked about a streaming movie because of all these monster hits that have been coming out in the in the in the theaters that we wanted to catch. So I'm happy to go back to streaming, um, and I feel like this is one of those movies that everyone. I saw a lot of positive buzz around it, but we were just busy catching up with the, what was happening in the box office. Yeah. So now this was, now we're kind of revisiting this one. Cause I think this came out in like end of July, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I'm happy to be going back and revisiting. Let's we'll see what everyone was talking about with this movie. So, um, I look forward to having that conversation with you next week. And if you want more from us, you can always follow us on our social media channels on Instagram at box office, underscore bingers, our Facebook, uh, Threads, TikTok, and YouTube page at Box Office Bingers. Going back to our YouTube channel. Again, look at our lovely faces, look at all the lovely graphics. It's all there for you on our YouTube channel. You can also find us on our Twitter page. I'm sorry, X page, at Box Office Binger without the S. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for listening while us just talk about movies and have fun doing it. Come back next week for more movie fun. You're not gonna regret it. And for that, I've been your host, Matt Diaz. Been Ernesto Santos. See ya.